Hello, welcome back to Back in My Play. We are continuing the Summer of Dreamcast series, and now we're hanging out. We're not outside. We're indoors because we have a Sega Dreamcast, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Greg Stewart. Greg, how you doing? I'm great, man. Happy to be back. <laughs> want to play some more? Want to talk about some more Sega stuff? Hey, guess what? I have lots of games that we can talk about because... Yeah, I got a pile in front of me, too. I think this is going to be a long episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we're recording this a little bit rather late, but I am uh, joined by my root beer, um, which is probably going to be great. Oh, you know what? I have a couple of my uh, Heller High Watermelon beers in the fridge. I probably should have cracked one of those open, but damn, I didn't. So what we're going to do is spend this whole episode talking just about the U.S., releases of the Sega Dreamcast. If you haven't, go back and listen to the last episode because we talked about the hardware, the accessories, the history of the launch, and our personal experiences. This is going to get a little bit, I don't know, it's going to be a Dreamcast because we're going to be going all over the place. We're going to be talking about a bunch of games. It's not going to be in chronological order. We're just going to hang out and talk about the best games on the system. I have a list in front of me. Greg is going to fill in any holes that he believes needs to be covered because I didn't put it in the list, but I think I have a pretty good lineup of games. I have it broken down in a couple different sections. I have what I've put the best games. (laughs) Um, Actually, maybe that's probably just like, maybe that is the whole section. Um, We also have uh, fighting games, arcade ports from Capcom and Midway and Sega, uh, best multi-platform versions of games, PC ports, uh, and these are these are kind of the the big ones. Tons of racing games on the Sega Dreamcast, and also I have a section of iconic games, which more covers just like these franchises that are really really associated with the Dreamcast. Sometimes there were sequels or there were re-releases, but like man, if anything says Dreamcast, it's the games in this list. So, I think we should start with sports. Let's start with sports. Okay, okay, because we we talked in the previous episode. EA was not going on the Dreamcast train. They were not going to be coming along on the ride. But we had this great company, Visual Concepts, that said, "Hey, guess what? We like sports games, and we are really good at making them." So we had four new series come from this console. We had, I guess, World Series Baseball would be, I guess, a continuation of that franchise from Mm -hmm. Sega Genesis and the Sega Saturn. But um, we had NBA, we had, excuse me, NBA 2K, NFL 2K, and NHL 2K. All three of those series got uh, 2K, 2K1, and 2K2. So we got three versions of each one of those games, NHL 2K being the final Dreamcast game that would be final Dreamcast game. Yeah, that would be released in uh, North America. So, uh, World Series Baseball also got not a 2K but 2K1 and 2K2. So that's worth mentioning. Um, and, and these were just these were not only good sports games; they were the best sports games in their series uh, at the time, even well, NHL. I mean, and you look at yeah, NHL and and NFL were great. Um, NBA was great. I think World Series, the first one, was actually one of the few sports games that was developed in Japan mm-hmm. for the system. Um, one thing not to, or one series not to forget is tennis. Oh, you're totally right. Virtua Tennis and uh, Tennis 2K2. Tennis 2K. That, the, those were fantastic games, and I would say they kind of they revived interest in. I mean, that's not a sport that was really covered all that much. I mean, there were tennis games on the 16-bit consoles, and there probably were a few on the 32-bit consoles as well. But they weren't. You didn't care. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but I mean the two the tennis two K games were fantastic. I was I was playing it earlier today, and that's um I mean the the thing that encompasses almost all the games that we're going to talk about is the the rock solid frame rate and performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I mean this this console had tons of games running at sixty locked, and yep. that's something that I mean we're in two thousand sixteen does not happen quite a lot these days. It's almost like a <laughs> I don't know. Like it, it's almost like a a surprising thing to see a game running at sixty frames per second. But um, you're right. I had Virtua Tennis on the arcade ports because that was part of the. And this is something that we probably should have talked a little bit more in the the last episode. But I didn't want to get too deep in the history stuff. But I mean, the the architecture of the Sega Dreamcast was really based off of, or partially based off of the Naomi Sega arcade hardware as well. Correct. Yeah, it was. And that's something that I definitely want to talk a little bit more about when we get to the arcade ports. But yes, it was basically a a sort of lower powered Naomi board. Well, let's get into it right now, because not only did we have uh, virtual tennis, but you had access to all those great Sega racing games that were able to really just come over uh, from the arcade into the home, including uh, also we mentioned shooters previously when we were talking about light guns in the last week's episode. But you had not only House of the Dead, too, you had Confidential Mission. You had you had so many great shooters or, or light gun games on mm-hmm. the Dreamcast as well. Yeah, although I, I will say I didn't get super into those, which is why in the previous episode we talked about this a little bit with the with the light gun incompatibility issue. I never really noticed it back in the day. You didn't but go to the store and buy another light gun? No, I didn't because I didn't need to because I had Confidential Mission, which was a UK release. Okay. And I had House of the Dead from Japan. But House of the Dead 2 was so good. It was so good. It was, um, it was like this was – I mean the, the, part of the reason why I bought this console is because it was arcade perfect. It was arcade well, perfect and what we got, like very much like the Saturn had the great arcade perfect fighting games. Well, that's just it. And and that's kind of what I wanted to get into because when you sort of go back even as far as, well, probably even to the Master System, I mean, Sega was making arcade games for years and mm-hmm. years and the Master System had ports, but I mean, they were, you know, just like you saw on, on the NES where it's like, yeah, this is Double Dragon, but it's not really. You exactly. Know, it's, exactly. It's a version of, it's a reimagining of this game. Um, now, you know, or you had like on the Master System, Double Dragon is the example. You had one that was much more um, true to the arcade, but mm-hmm. it was, it, the system couldn't really handle it. But then you look at like the Mega Drive and the Genesis and they were um, built, it was built based on bringing the arcade home, but mm-hmm. it wasn't quite as powerful as the hardware wasn't the arcade games that it was emulating like right. one of the first games released for it was space harrier well space harrier was released in what 84 or 85 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the, the mega drivers released in 89 and it couldn't do space harrier perfectly mm-hmm. then you get to the saturn same thing like virtual fighter 2 and last bronx and i mean you can go on and on the fighting games in particular and sega rally as well was quite good they weren't arcade perfect they weren't mm-hmm. even close really but they were incredible but now with the dreamcast you finally get to the point it's like you know what this can do the arcade games. The line like, was very blurry. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't doing Model 3, but when it came to like Naomi-based games and anything at that sort of that level, it looked almost perfect, if not perfect. Yeah, and I mean, it was, and this is across from the EB games that I bought my Dreamcast at, was an arcade. It was an arcade that had House of the Dead 2. It had Virtua Tennis and that stand-up Sega cabinet. It had Hydro Thunder. It had all these great fighting games over there. And I, I, 
I mean, this was part of its downfall though, right? Like a lot of people didn't like want to just go play arcade games at their house. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of, it's weird because I think with the Saturn as well, it kind of, um, springs out of like the, especially the popularity around virtual fighter, which Mm -hmm. is ironic considering virtual fighter three is probably one of the, one of the least impressive arcade ports on the system. Also, you also have to point out that that wasn't actually made by Sega, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was that there was sort of a boom right at that point. Sega was doing really well in the arcade. Um, and it was kind of right on the precipice of, you know, it was right at a tipping point where the arcades were about to die. So it's kind of too bad in that regard. But at the same time, I mean, I don't know. I'm happy that I've got a system that has amazing versions of like Samba de Amigo and Crazy Taxi and, and, uh, some you know house of the dead like just there's a lot of really great arcade games sega rally 2 daytona usa which actually isn't like the arcade version at all at all it's a complete reimagining but it's so good like there's just so many good arcade games on this system yeah and i apologize because we're kind of jumping ahead um i wanted to preface this as a buyer's guide a 2016 Uh. buyer's guide to the sega dreamcast because uh, I, I want to, I'm going to do my best to put into context, like, you know, prices for, for some of these things. And like, you know, again, these are, these are the games that you should get because, uh, let's talk about rush 2049 for a second. I've, I would say it, the sports games, I, I can't really tell you definitively because I repurchased a copy of NFL 2k and NBA, excuse me, NFL 2k2 and NBA 2k2. Um, because, those are the games that if I'm, if I'm going to play games, I'm probably not going to play through a season at NHL and world series baseball is, is it's a good series. And even it has Pedro Martinez on it, which is of course, Boston Red Sox. Um, but <laughs> still, I, I think if I have the nostalgia to go back to sports games, it's going to be NBA 2k2 and NFL 2k2, but let's talk about rush 2049, which is, I have a lot of great memories of Rush 2049 on the Sega Dreamcast playing with my buddy Tom. And that was like one of the few games that he would actually play because he loved playing it in the arcade. But when you bring it home, um, I mean, it's still it's still pretty close. It's actually not 60. It actually struggles a little bit in some parts. And that game, I bought it. I've been playing it uh, a little bit over the last two days. That game doesn't hold up, unfortunately. Like that's not something you're going to want to play in 2016. Yeah, it's it's not quite there, and I would I would argue that um, Hydro Thunder is along the same lines as well. I'm worried about that because I, I purchased that as well. I mean, uh, in terms of Rush 2049, that's that hovers around twenty dollars. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like actually kind of a big purchase to make because when you have other games like Virtua Tennis for three bucks, that yeah. still holds up. Like you can play Virtua Tennis today and have an absolute blast, and it runs at sixty and it looks beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. I would agree with that hundred percent. The the rush games just don't, which is too bad. Cause I agree with you. I, my, my experience with the rush games was more in the arcades, but they were just really fun games. Um, so it's a shame that they don't really hold up anymore, but you know, it is what it is. And, and like any good back in my play episode, this is selfishly me talking through what I'm going to buy. And, uh, it, it, with, with a lot of these, what I'm trying to do is we know about, you can, it's not a conspiracy theory. There's 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 holes in Dreamcast discs, right? Um, so what I'm trying to do is find as close to new, if not actually buying new copies of games. Like I bought a brand new copy of Blitz 2000 because mm-hmm. that's a game. It holds up. Blitz NFL Blitz 2000 holds up. NBA Showtime, 
it holds up. It's two of the best versions of those games that you can that you can pick up, and they're not incredibly expensive. Like like I said, Blitz was twenty bucks. Uh, Virtual Tennis, you can find copies for around twenty dollars, brand new. Um, and what I'm trying to do is is just create like a really nice ten to fifteen game collection mm-hmm. with perfect discs that I know are going to be. Uh, they're they're gonna have a little bit of life left in them. I, like I want them to last like another ten or fifteen years, so I can pull out the Dreamcast and play some Virtual Tennis or play some Marvel versus Capcom too. But uh, that's when it gets a little bit more pricey, I guess. Um, all right, so let's let's talk. Mentioned a second ago, NFL Blitz two thousand and NFL Blitz two thousand and one came out on the Sega Dreamcast. The copy that you're gonna want is NFL Blitz two thousand. There's many more copies of it, and it actually just plays a lot better on the the Sega Dreamcast, uh, so it's going to be cheaper to pick up. NBA Showtime, uh, you do not want NBA Hoops. I think it's actually H-O-O-P-Z. You do not want that with Shaq on the cover. Get NBA Showtime. It's a great three-on-three basketball game, a successor to NBA Jam, TE, and um, what was that terrible? Oh, my God. There's a really bad NBA Jam game on the Saturn. Was it Extreme? Yeah, I think so. Wasn't that where somehow Acclaim ended up with the actual license? Maybe, maybe. and the the ball looks like a triangle. Yeah, there was a weird. There was some really. There was some major weirdness happening with the NBA Jam, and it has every. I think it has everything to do with when Acclaim licensed the home versions back on the sixteen bit consoles. Mm-hmm. It was like this really tangled web, and at the end of it, I feel like they came out where Acclaim had the full license to NBA Jam, and that's why Jeez. Midway did Showtime. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, Okay, good good point. Um, so I, I think right now when I'm building up my library, my thought process is I need NFL Blitz 2000, I need NBA Showtime, because not only are those actually fun to play alone, but of course, if you have people over, it's going to be you know yeah. twice as good when you play those arcade games. Four controller ports. Four controller ports, but please don't play those games with four people. Play just one-on-one. <laughs> it makes way more sense, and I'm sure that's something that we're going to be playing at that uh, when we do the uh, the 18-hour live stream. Um so uh, you mentioned Hydro Thunder. What was the last time you threw in Hydro Thunder? Um, uh, it's probably a good ten or fifteen years ago now, to be honest. Um, it was back when it was still sort of new on the system. I got spoiled with that though because we actually at uh, EGM we actually had a Hydro Thunder arcade machine. Oh, with the wind too. Uh, like, I don't had, the wind on it, it. It had like a fan in front, so it would like blow Arctic yeah. air, I know, like an air conditioner. I think, I think you're thinking of Arctic Thunder. You're totally right. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but sorry. Way. Sorry. Hydro, the, the sequel to Hydro Thunder. Yes. Arctic Thunder. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I, that being said, Hydro Thunder was one of the first games I bought. And mm-hmm. me and my friends all had it for the Dreamcast and we played it to death. I mean, it was great at the time. I just remember it not aging all that well. I, I totally agree with you. I, I, that's why, um, you know, that might be something that, that I bring back. But um, I'm, I'm looking at when, when we're looking at price ranges again, you know, that's going to run you about $10 today. But um, that, that's something that you're probably going to like play one or two races and just be completely done with it. Like, yeah. like, like Rush 2049. Like it's just like the physics suck. It, it's hard to control. And it's exactly the physics aren't the same as they were in the arcade, and there's a, there's a pretty steep learning curve, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, and when you have a stack of do Dreamcast games that you just got like from a eBay lot, you're not going to be mm-hmm. like, oh man, I'm really going to spend the time to learn how to play Hydro Thunder. It's really, it's just not going to happen. Um, yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, some some shooters because the thing that we run into, excuse me, I should say light gun shooters. The problem that we run into today is that we we 
most most of us at least don't have CRTs or running on HDTV. Nope. So those light gun games are going to be stuck with using a controller, which it might as well be, um, you know, a, a copy of Asa Base. Like it's going to be worthless. You know, you're not going to want it. So um, weird comparison, but yeah. No, it's I was true. thinking it's, about worthless music, and that's what popped in my head. Uh, it's too bad because the late '90s was like a renaissance for like gun shooters. I mean, they just there were so many great shooters on the 32-bit systems, and that carried over um, to a point on the Dreamcast and the PS2. And now it's just like, who the hell has room? You know, I mean, if you're a hardcore right. collector and you've got the space, you can get a lot of. There's a lot of enjoyment to be had over like grabbing a CRT grabbing the virtual cop games the house of the dead games across all the systems they were on and corpse killer corpse killer but seriously there's there's a lot of fun to be had there but man it's just it's so sad that it's not an easy thing to do now you have to have a dedicated setup for that kind of game now Mm -hmm. all right so maybe for this 2016 buyer's guide i think i think we have to take all those like on shooters off the table I think we do. Okay, so right now we're we're going through the sop, thought process. We're going to get we have we have NBA 2K2, NFL 2K2. Those are super cheap. They're like less than 10 bucks a piece and that's if you want to get them in like super good shape. And then we also have NFL Blitz, NBA Showtime. We're getting rid of Rush and we're getting rid of Hydro Thunder. We're making sure that we have a copy of Virtual Tennis because that is as yep. good today as it was back then. And like I don't even know if there's been a better version of Virtual Tennis since the original. Like there was, we had three on the X, Xbox 360, which was good, and, and PS3, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure somebody who's really super familiar with that series might be able to tell you whether one of those later ones are better. But really, there aren't any bad ones. Like so it doesn't matter which one kind of helps get. too, right? Exactly. That 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 was the beauty of the game in the first place is that it, it wasn't like super realistic. It was literally the pace is really high. You're just running around jamming on the swing button. Like, that's all you're doing, mm-hmm. and it's just so much fun. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about uh, fighting games, because this was a hell of a console for fighting games. Yeah. Uh, of course, we had Marvel vs. Capcom mm-hmm. 1 and 2, which was across the uh, across the hall at the arcade that was across from my EB games. So those were games that I act, like I love, because those games are really easy to do, incredible-looking things, um, mm-hmm. whether it's like tagging in or the supers and all that stuff. And um, those are the best versions of those games in the home, like those games, excuse me, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was later ported to the Xbox and the PlayStation mm-hmm. 2, and it ran really rough. Um, yep. The the Dreamcast version is the superior, best version to get, and you could probably skip Marvel vs. Capcom and just go and find two, but today you're going to be running between $50 and $60 for a copy of that game. It's not going to be God, cheap. really? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're... I'd say it's still worth it if you're a Capcom fighting game fan. It's, but, I mean, it's, it's you, you're the best be version for it. Yeah, yeah, it's the best version, and we got the versions on on Xbox Live Arcade and PSN a couple of years ago. But you know, what if you don't have your <laughs> what if you don't have your Xbox 360 or PS3 <laughs> don't anymore? Have an internet connection, or yeah, I mean, how are you going to get on SegaNet? So, um, yeah, I think Marvel vs. Capcom Two is going to be a must buy for me. I'm writing it down, and that's mm-hmm. all right. It's on the list. Um, Marvel vs. Capcom, we're going to let that go to the wayside. Much smaller roster, not as fun. Trust me. It doesn't have Ken. So uh, Street Fighter. Uh, there was a bunch of great Street Fighter games. Uh, Street Fighter 3, we had Double Impact, and then we had Third Strike on the Dreamcast. 
Wasn't Third Strike like the definitive edition of that game for the longest time? Absolutely is. Yeah. And maybe it still is. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. And it's and it's going to cost you as well. That's going to run you about sixty to eighty dollars based wow. on the, the you know the scratches on the disc and having a complete copy because um, that is again it's it's a game that's continued to be played in tournaments and people still just absolutely like the artwork of that game and just the visual style of that game is it it holds up with a lot of these two D fighting games they look as good today as they did back then because you can't really get much better than what they were doing with the art. No, that's just it. I mean, you've gotten to the point, and they kind of got to that point on the on the um, Saturn as well, but especially yeah. on the Dreamcast, you got to the point where the resolution was right mm-hmm. for for the art. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, Capcom had gotten gotten to their art to the point where it just looked like hand drawn cell art. Yeah. So it was just like this is amazing. Like as soon as they got into the Alpha series, that was the direction it went, and it's like this is a whole other level, and it's never going to look better than this all and it's true because since then all they've really done as far as 2d fighters goes it seems is just add a lot more effects mm-hmm. and maybe 3d backgrounds which don't always play very well so and by play i mean i just they don't always look all that great but yeah i mean like third strike the 2d stuff the, the dreamcast it just looks fantastic ridiculous it was ridiculous and they they caught up to i mean what what i saw much later in life when i got into my whole neo geo phase and getting into the mbs stuff you, you got to see how far ahead snk or how much farther ahead snk was than capcom when it came to the art and the animation oh, yeah. and their characters they were just blowing them away and even we got uh a couple of neo geo parts like we mentioned uh before in in the last episode, a launch title was King of Fighters ninety nine. Mm-hmm. We ended up getting King of Fighters two thousand oh one and oh two in Japan, and also we got Mark of the Wolves, uh, Fatal Fury, Mark of the Wolves, which is you now arguably the best and most beautiful Neo Geo uh, fighting game of all time in terms of the the arcade hardware, I should say, because mm-hmm. these are these are Neo Geo arcade ports. Which I remember reading in that EGM article. You know, they were, they were talking about King of Fighters '99, and it's like, you know, they, they said the good, the bad, and the ugly. And like the ugly is like, it's just a Neo Geo arcade port. You know, it's the, you know, it's nothing like new. It's just an, another Neo Geo port. But those games are, are absolute classics. And uh, King of Fighters '99 is something that you can get relatively inexpensively, like around thirty dollars. But like you'll see, it's a common trend. These fighting games hold up. They didn't sell a ton of copies back then, or mm-hmm. I mean, even if they did, people are not giving up their copies. So we had the Neo Geo ports, like I said, Mark of the Wolves, the King of Fighters, King of Fighters games, and uh, Street Fighter Three, and then we also got the final Alpha game was also ported to the the Dreamcast. Again, the definitive version of Street Fighter Alpha Three is is on the Dreamcast because it was also ported to Sega Saturn and to the PlayStation One. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned in the last episode the partnership between Capcom and SNK. We also got Capcom versus SNK one in the states, and then two only came to Japan, which were great games. Oh, I so good. Dored, I dored. I played that game the other night, and I was, it's with those games. It was also sort of the touches, like um, SNK was really good at this, and, and it really bled over into this game, where like it, a lot of the stages would actually have intros. Yes. Um, and they were just like, there was this one, which I don't know what game it was meant to be emulating, but it was emulating like an old, like sprite based 
mm-hmm. racing driving game and then there's a crash and then you're kind of in the the game world at that point where it's the aftermath of the mm-hmm. crash and then you're having your fight and even little things like when if Ken or Ryu would um would face off in a, in a match they would actually fist bump first before they started fighting just tiny little sort of fun animations that sort of relayed um character relationships mm-hmm. just Ah, SNK was so good at that stuff. Yeah, so, so good at that stuff. So so many great de- details, so much love and care put it put into the games, and that's why Capcom versus SNK is going on my list of games to have along oh, with Marvel versus yeah. Capcom too. Yeah, you got to have it. And you know, I I could I could totally get Street Fighter Alpha three, but I, I I somehow believed what everyone has told me in the past that Street Fighter Alpha two is the best of the series, and I already have that on uh, my PlayStation Vita. So, I know it's not nice. the best version of the PlayStation One. I, I should have. I don't have a Saturn no, anymore. Have the Saturn so version. I don't have a Saturn anymore. <laughs> All right. Um, and uh, for Neo Geo ports, my wish list has Mark of the Wolves. I love that game. When I had a uh, consoleized MVS, I used to play the crap out of that, just because it's a unbelievably beautifully animated game to the point where, like, how are they doing this? Like, how is this possible on Neo Geo hardware? You know that there's an American version of that, right? But yeah. But yeah, I'm, okay. I, that, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's one expensive. of the last it was one of the last three games to be released. So there weren't many of them. Yeah, it was it was it was been fun to go back to the I actually went to IGN.com because that was my dreamcast.ign.com was where I went for my my Dreamcast games once I got, you know, my Dreamcast on the Internet. But um, <laughs> God, that must have been so that's so uh, meta to be looking at Dreamcast reviews through your Dreamcast, Dreamcast. on SegaNet. Um, nice. On dreamcast.ign.com, which is still there. You can still go and, and look at the reviews and all that stuff. But um, yeah, looking at the like the last couple games, they actually ended up reviewing um, Shenmue 2 and Headhunter as well, which we'll talk about those later. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a, a, a great place to play fighting games, but those are those are mine. There's, there's more fighting games, but uh, of course, we're not going to hit on all of them. The one that you're probably thinking we're missing, don't worry, we're going to talk about that in a couple minutes. We're going to talk about 3D fighters in general, because there's a few that we're missing, I think. Yeah, don't worry, we can bring them up. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, do you want to bring up the, the ones that's not the big one? Sure, well, I mean... Or Power Stone 1 and 2, that's also the... Power Stone, yeah, that's that's true, but I was actually going to talk about Dead or Alive 2. Oh, be, oh, I forgot, boobs. No, and see, that's that's <laughs> not fair. No, you know what was really... I always found was really interesting about this game. I mean, I think it's a decent fighting game, to be honest. I mean, it's not, I I don't think it's as crazy hardcore, something like a virtual fighter. But um, this game was super impressive from like a visual standpoint because the levels were progressive and they would like you could like knock somebody through the floor or off a balcony and then the whole level would shift to another story. So that, that for me, like it's a great showpiece. It was a hell of a demo on my Sega, on my Dreamcast magazine demo disc. Like it it blew me away. Absolutely. But it's not a bad little game either. So, I mean, I don't know how much it costs, but if it's not expensive, it's totally worth having. You're right. And it's cheap. It's like, you know, maybe 10, 15 bucks. And, And I, maybe I, I don't know if this should be on there or not. Street Virtual Fighter 3TB. Yeah, I struggle with that one because, I mean, I love Virtual Fighter, one of my favorite series. This port was not great. Yeah. I mean, it played great. It just doesn't look nearly as good as it could have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I don't feel bad for keeping it off then. Um, <laughs> hey, just wait. When the PS2 comes out and Sega 
uh, collapses, we'll get Virtua Fighter 4, which is fantastic on the PlayStation There you go, too. right? And, and that's the thing. Like, if you're going to get a Virtua Fighter, get 4 or 5. Yeah, perfect. Um, okay, so uh, I also want to talk about... Um, and it was weird. Like there, there are a g- bunch of multi-platform games. Like this is the era where you got to keep in mind: GameCube's not out, and mm. PlayStation Two is not out. But we still have games coming to the PS One. We have games coming to the uh, N sixty four. And I mean, if we're bringing them to that, we might as well just pour it up to the Dreamcast as well because we have a little bit more room. And you know, this console was relatively easy to to program for, like we talked about mm-hmm. a couple times. But um, we ended up getting a lot of. You know, multi-platform games and the the Dreamcast version was almost universally the best version. It had far better graphics, better frame rate. Um, but the two games that I really wanted to point out were, I mean, this is the home of Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two, by far the best versions of those two games. Yeah, I would agree with that. Oh, they just look like I've been playing through Tony Hawk Two, and it just looks so clean and good. Where the PlayStation One version looks so chunky and gross. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really nice. I mean, they had, well, for obvious reasons, it, this this thing was meant to be easy to board games to. 128 bits, Greg. There you go. It's got that same look that you had back on like 3DFX cards and, you know, back when 3D cards were a thing where it just sort of cleaned everything up and just made it look smoother and nicer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 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 a it's a very specific look um, that you kind of just have to go with. <laughs> but if you do... Especially if you're comparing it to the PlayStation One, there's mm-hmm. there is no comparison. I mean, you know, it's just pushing so many more. It, it, I don't even know that it's pushing more polygons, but everything just feels more solid. PlayStation One, everything swims a lot and everything warps a lot, mm-hmm. and you know, and you're right, like the resolution's just not there. <clears throat> but here, it's like the same game, but everything is nice and smooth and bright and clean, and it's not warping all the time. It doesn't feel like the whole world's ready to blow apart. So yeah, and and great games. Man, uh, man, Tony Hawk, he ruled those games ruled the universe for a long time. No, they totally did and uh like uh, that is how I played the Tony Hawk games. Like I had friends that had Tony Hawk 1 on on the PS1, but you know, that is that that's how I played those games and it was just an unbelievable uh experience to be able to play through them and be like, "Hey, well, you know, it looks so much better on my Dreamcast. Sucks for you." Um but Yeah. I mean, like like we mentioned before, there was there was a bunch of other um, fantastic games, and I'm, I don't want to forget Project Justice uh, in terms of fighting games. I apologize for oh, yeah. missing that out, um, but that is again, it's like a hundred dollars now. Like it, like oh the fighting God. games are just kind of going through the roof. And another game that is like wasn't really well received, but is it's over a hundred dollars? Giga Wing Two. All those uh, late shooters, yeah, the late the late yeah. uh, vertical shooters, um, but you know, in like Bang IO, like all that stuff that you know we kind of think of as just uh, you know great great shooters, but they did not, believe it or not, sell a lot of copies of those games in the in the United States. Well, um, I think the thing, sort of, sorry, just to break no, in, no, I think ahead. the thing that we have to remember here too, and you're talking about U.S. games, it's not surprising that anything after the first year is hard to find because when you think about Really, this system was on the market for a little over 24 months, mm-hmm. like from start to finish, from September 99 to the last game was released in February 2002. But before that, that was that was hockey. That was NHL 2K2, I think. February before 12. that. Yeah. And, and before that, it was December. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the system was discontinued mid-2001. The system was not on the market for much more than two years. And 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 technically, they weren't manufacturing it for even two years after the system came out in the U.S. So, 
I mean, yeah, like anything that's late that we're talking about, that's going to be hard to find because they weren't there weren't a lot of them. Yeah, even um, and, and it's, it's it's kind of like hit and miss. Like tennis two K two, you can get brand new copies of that for under ten bucks. NBA two K two is hard to get a used version of for ten dollars. Like you, if you want to get a new copy, you're talking like twenty five bucks, which you know you'd be like for a sports game. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, but we're mentioning uh ports and, and things like that. Um, Resident Evil two and three um got. Far yeah. superior ports uh, yep. from the PlayStation One and or the N sixty four version of, of in terms of Resident Evil Two, with full VGA output supports. They looked absolutely beautiful mm-hmm. uh, on the on the Dreamcast. That's how I played through Resident Evil Two. I didn't play through it on a, a PlayStation One. I played through it a couple of years ago on a, a Sega Dreamcast when I went through one of my crazy phases where I got up to, I think I had like 65 retail <laughs> Dreamcast games. Like I was getting pretty close to like having anything. Like when I had a, I had a copy of like, um, I had like a copy of everything. I had like, like Max Steel. And that's, that's, wow. that's, that's it. Yeah. That's, that was a good pull for it. Um, still didn't have a copy of Grandia because I had those for my disc juggler days, but, um, I had lots of, lots of great games, but yeah, Resident Evil. Um, also, you know, again, I, I, I will get destroyed if I don't mention, uh, more arcade ports like the, the shooters of, uh, Gunbird 2, another one of those, I believe is a, a, I assume a, that's expensive as well. Yes. Um, Cannon Strike, another uh, Capcom game mm-hmm. that, that features some Street Fighter characters in it as well. Dino Crisis, another Capcom port that we got from the PlayStation 1 over to the Dreamcast. All these ports are far superior. A lot of it was just uprising in better frame rate. But yep. you know what? That's all they needed. That's all Exactly. It's all they needed. There were great games that sold incredibly well on the previous consoles. And I'm sure... I mean, I don't know. I guess it wasn't a ton of work to do that to to you know port those games over to the the Dreamcast. But um, and I don't know how this is for you, but I mean, Star Wars Episode One Racer. It had, oh yeah, the Dreamcast version is the version I play. Yeah, obviously. I mean, but it had a bundle for the N sixty four. It was pushed hard for the N sixty four version, but the Dreamcast version is locked at sixty. It looks it looks like even today that game's fun. Like that's a oh, yeah. good God, racing game. game. Yeah. Um. So so that's worth picking up. And just as I'm kind of like running through my my list of side stuff that I put down, um, there's uh, a couple other games that I don't know. May, I, maybe I feel bad like if we're running through all this stuff. But like uh, WWF uh, Attitude was another port that just again these are all just like upres. They looked way better and they ran better. And you know, like we said, sometimes that's that's all I need. Um. Okay, so back to my other list. Um, I mentioned I mentioned PC ports. We had Unreal Tournament and we had Quake Three. Of course, those went along with not only the online capabilities of the Sega Dreamcast, but also the accessories of the keyboard and the mouse, which allowed you to destroy people that did not have them. Am I wrong? Am I remembering this properly? That Quake Three actually had crossplay with PC, or I believe am that's, I, wrong? I believe that's incorrect. Okay. For some reason, I want to say that it, that was happening, but okay. But yeah, I mean, even I, I know that at the GM offices, Quake Three got a lot of play on the Dreamcast with controllers or with keyboards. I think it was all the controllers. Okay, I'm checking right now. Okay, I have good news. I have really, I have really great news right now. It's still um, possible to play it online. It's still there are still Quake Three servers that you can call into today, yeah. Yeah. and there's websites dedicated to it. Oh, thank you, God. All right, so if you want to go and play some Quake 3 or some Unreal Tournament, uh, you can go to dreamcast.onlineconsoles.com 
and you can set up. Oh my God, they have map packs. Oh my God, see this like no, anyone on the server? Please help. I'm getting general failure. All right. Oh, there's still uh, there's still plenty of support if you need <laughs> to get your your copy of Quake Three on the Dreamcast. That game is going to run you about ten bucks, and it's really tough to go play that on a controller. But if you want to, it is. If you want to pull the the keyboard and the mouse, you can go play some Quake Three. But why wouldn't you just play it on a PC? I guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put these either of these on the list. I mean, they're kind of interesting, I guess, conversation pieces, but... That's the best way to put it, yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 like, conversation pieces. And like I, I mentioned, I don't know if it was on Player One or on... It was probably the Sega Net episode. I played a ton. I played hours and hours and hours and hours of Quake 3 on my Dreamcast, and I got really good on the controller. Like, I, I was, like, almost getting in the top, like, one or two almost every match. Like, I was really good. It's amazing what we would put up with to play those games on a console. <laughs> well, it, but I was coming from Goldeneye, so I was kind of used to oh, how that, those controls worked, and you just like shot up the speed as much as possible. So you just got really good at at you know flipping yourself around, you know, quickly. Um, because really, it, you know, we won't get into it. You know, Quake Three Dreamcast controller strategies, but. Um, it's it's playable. Same thing with Unreal Tournament. I didn't have that back in the day, but it was the same exact uh, control schemes for for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where I would like to take a break because when we come back, we're, we have a huge list of what I consider to be iconic games for the Sega Dreamcast. So this is going to be the big section. This is where we're going to be talking about all those things where you're saying, hey, you forgot this, you buttheads. Don't worry. I didn't forget it. I wanted it to be in its own section. So Stick around. Here's some music from the Sega Dreamcast. We'll be right back with that. You know, we might miss some games in this discussion. It's going to happen because we mentioned it on the last episode, and I know we're saying that a lot because you should have listened to it. Amen. There are so many great games on this console, and there's so many great niche games, too, like games that, like mech games, for like if you're a Gundam fan, like there's Gundam games on here, or if you're a fighting game fan and you want to play some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, that game's on oh here. You know, about that game. you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you yeah. want to play Star Wars games, those games are on here. If you want to play, like, PC ports, like, we were talking about, um, like, Quake and, and uh, that was the other game, Unreal Tournament, you can also play, you want to play some Rainbow Six? Hey, you can play some Rainbow Six on this console. Arcade ports, you got them. If you want to play some crazy uh, survival horror games, like the Resident Evil series and Dino Crisis, hey, they, they got them there, too. They have the sports games. They have the racing games. Everyone was covered, and... If things were coming out on this console, they were they were good to great and and, and good to great to incredible. Uh, there there were very few poor games on this console, and I'm like even looking, I'm scrolling down a list, and I know it's IGN.com, but it's like eight 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 nine nine eight nine eight nine seven seven like eight eight like these are highly reviewed games, and I mean even games like that got low scores, like Zombie Revenge got a five point nine. That game's awesome. You yeah, should. a lot of people really like that game. All right. 
I'm putting it on the list. Zombie Revenge. Um, and I should preface this. I already purchased um, a copy of um, Dynamite Cop, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that game is one of those crazy games that's now like 40 to $50. Um, but GameStop.com had it for 20 So I bought it through GameStop.com. Uh, pro tip, go buy some used games from GameStop.com. And as this recording, they've now launched, they now sell Sega Saturn games. Game Boy Color games, really original Xbox is all launched yesterday for us, Greg. Not for when this comes out, um, but like they they uh, also have, um, I believe, is GameCube games and yeah, but yeah, Sega Saturn games, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, um, and uh, original Xbox and a couple other things. So I don't know, maybe I don't know if they do it in the in Canada, but they they're doing it in the states now too. Um, you can even play like really bad like. Uh, beat em ups like Fighting Force or I don't know, play some Shadow. All those old IDOS games. Yeah, like I'm looking at this list. Like I'm looking at this list of just badass games. Sega Rally, Sega Rally, two, uh, excuse me, Sega Rally Two, um, Armada. Like all these great like niche like space shooters. Like there was a bunch of great space shooters on this console too. Damn, the Dreamcast is awesome. Yeah, then Star Lancer wasn't there a copy of, a version of Star yeah, Lancer on this absolutely. console? Absolutely, yes, there yeah, was. I forgot about that. Um, and, and you can, it was great wrestling games. There was sort of the berserk, which is a really good guts rage. Yep. Guts rage. Um, choo choo rocket, which we didn't mention before. I could just, I should just read this whole list of, you, you are kind of just reading a list at this point. I know it's boring. So let's talk about these iconic games because these are the things that, um, are, are I, I would almost say everything that we're about to mention in this list, actually, you know what? We should do racing games first. Let's okay, do that. Let's do that first. That's my fault in ordering uh, racing games. Metropolis Street Racer. That that's still a great looking game. The precursor to uh, Project Gotham Racing. Yes, and I absolutely love. That was such a bummer when four came out and it wasn't very good. Three was yeah. three was a launch game on the three sixty for me, and I fell in love with that game. The remnants of the remnants of what Metropolis was, uh, you can kind of see in the Forza series because mm. really Project Gotham and Forza sort of mixed because Project Gotham had that great sort of. Uh, um, the kudos system and the the um, leaderboard, by, right? So, but anyway, that was all born of MSR, which is Metropolis Street Racer, which is mm-hmm. funny because it's it was one of the earlier games that um, that was sort of touted for the Dreamcast, and it actually ended up being one of the last games released. One of the, it was in the final year anyway. Um, but the big thing about this game was um, it was done by Bizarre Creations, which is no longer around. Although I think Playground Games has a lot of Bizarre Creations staff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, playground games does Forza Horizon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the key thing about this that they kept going on and on about it is it's it's a it's a real world racer. It's got licensed vehicles. Uh, it's got this really cool soundtrack that's that's um, hosted by DJs. And depending on where you are in the world, the DJs are speaking different languages and all that sort of thing. But the key thing is is that they went all over the world and they took tons and tons and tons of photographs. And basically what you're racing, you're, you're surrounded by textures and, and uh, models that were built using all of this reference material. Mm-hmm. That was like the big thing. Um, 40 sports cars through London, Tokyo or San Francisco. Um, and they had the kudos system, which is like if you drift and you don't hit a wall, you get kudos. And if mm-hmm. you make a good pass, you get kudos. And fantastic little game. Um, Project Gotham was better. It was newer and sure. it was more refined, but this is where it started. So sure. I, I definitely, definitely worth playing. 
Sure. And I, and I think you made me, you helped me realize why I love Forza Horizon 2 so much. <clears throat> mm-hmm. it, oh, I mean, Forza, there, that's Metropolis Street. There. Yeah, that's yeah. Project Gotham. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, I hope we get a third one of those. By the time you guys oh, hear this. I, I think we'll have already known about it by the time people are listening yeah, to this. Most likely. Um, and also, uh, along with that, I mean, the, the output from Sega was just ridiculous. You had uh, Daytona 500, you had Sega Rally, Sega GT, and then uh, Ferrari F355. Yeah, Ferrari F three fifty five was kind of interesting in that it was um, that was sort of born out of Yu Suzuki, who who you know he created Outrun and Space Harrier and Afterburner, and I mean he's Yu Suzuki. Yeah, he's Yu Suzuki. He's he's like the most prolific, best designer that Sega ever had. Um, Daytona as well was his, but he was he's a big Ferrari fan. So Ferrari F three fifty five was sort of his love letter to Ferrari, much like Outrun was back in the day. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> but it's it's like very hardcore, almost simulation style arcade racer. And what's weird about that is that when you find the U.S. release, it was actually released by Acclaim because they had the rights to the Ferrari license, I believe, in the huh. U.S. Um, pretty good game, but don't go into it expecting Daytona or Sega Rally or Outrun. That's not what you're going to get. It's a very hardcore game. Yeah, I was looking up um, also like Test Drive Le Mans, which was incredibly well reviewed, um, but great game. Difficult. It is difficult. Yeah, but it was uh, it was I played this last year actually for Extra Life as part of my charity. And one of the coolest things about it is it actually has a full 24 hour race in it. If you want to do that. Jeez. Why wouldn't you? That's like might as well drive a bus across the desert. Yeah. Um, Daytona USA. You said Daytona 500. It's Daytona USA. Um, I would say this is one that definitely has to be on your list along with MSR. And the reason why is right, because right. this is not a carbon copy of Daytona. It's very different than the arcade Daytona game, but in a good way. Um, it's just, it's like a reimagining of it and it has like a lot of drifting in it, which I know you really like Kevin. I, I love, I love drifting specifically Tokyo drifting. I know you do. Um, but anyway, if if this isn't expensive, I'd say this is one that definitely has to be on your list. Daytona USA for the Dreamcast. It was a very, very cool little game. And speaking as a huge fan of the arcade game, it's a lot different. It it, it runs for about $20, so it's not going to break the totally bank. Totally worth it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and it, like I said, I've I've gone through phases of like being super into the Dreamcast before. And I, and I never really got into the racing games too, too much because... You know, you kind of look at this stuff today, kind of like with sports games where, well, they get better, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah, so why would I go backwards? Like that too. Yep, for sure. Um, we already talked about Sega Rally 2. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty cheap, right? It is about 10 bucks. Definitely worth having. Um, and I got a couple arcade racers on here too that I'm going to talk about a little bit later because I think they both fit into more of the uh, iconic games. One of the games that I want to point out, although I'll say don't go buy this, but I want to talk about it because I love it so much. Speed Devils Online Racing. Um, Speed Devils was actually a, an old PC game by Ubisoft. It wasn't called Speed Devils, actually. I forget what it was called when it was on the PC. Mm-hmm. But they ported it to the Dreamcast and called it Speed Devils, which I'm guessing is one of the cheapest games you're going to be able to find for the system. It's an okay little game. It's really not great. But they released a sequel, which was Speed Devils Online Racing. And it was one of the very first games I remember, racing games I remember, where you could play online, like, the whole point was to play online mm-hmm. and it was so good, but I don't believe it's possible to keep playing online now. I don't know that there are servers that exist for that anymore. Um, so I'm, I'm bringing it up to tell you don't get it, but it was a great little game. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I looked into this after you guys talked about it on the uh, SegaNet episode, and I, I, I don't know, maybe I, I looked around, and, and I guess maybe the maybe it was for you guys, the time and the place and the group that you had. And I, the reviews weren't super good for the game. No, they weren't, and it's. I think it's a, a decent example also of, because the game itself, I really enjoyed it, but I could see a lot of people on its own, the game itself doesn't play that great. Especially when you're surrounded by like Sega Rally 2 and Test Drive Le Mans and Daytona mm-hmm. USA, like it doesn't it doesn't stand out. It's the online play that stood out. And Super Runabout, a game that broke down what we thought was possible in open world racing games. <laughs> I've never played it. Super Runabout was on a Sega Dreamcast magazine demo disc, and I never bought the game. I played the crap out of the demo. I loved that demo because you're driving through San Francisco and you can destroy everything. It was like crash, not like crash mode, but it was like traffic checking in um, in Burnout. And you die really quick because you take a lot of damage, but it was like just really impressive to see open world San Francisco that looked less, it looked more realistic and less cartoony than crazy taxi. Cool. Yeah, it is cool. Um, all right. Well, maybe we'll, are there any other racing games that we should hit on? I'm looking like, again, I'm looking at the reviews. There was a ton of racing games on this console. Yeah. Uh, one of the other ones worth mentioning, it, it's kind of interesting to check out, but I think more as an oddity is Sega GT. Um, Why it was is it an oddity? Of, it was Sega's attempt at a at a sort of a Gran Turismo game. Um, it just doesn't it doesn't hold up. Well, what if I told you that Uh-oh. I'm looking? I'm I'm, and this is again like I'm I'm just I always like to be real with you guys. I'm looking at a review right here that says uh, is it my review? No, it's a review from okay. from IGN. It's it's from a good website um, where they said. Get ready for Sega's Gran Turismo killer, Sega GT. Earn licenses, buy real-world cars, or build your own custom ride. They mm. gave it a 9.2. That's way too high. Nine, 9.2. And if you have any issues, you can go and uh, talk to Jeremy Dunham of <laughs> IGN DC. Um, it says the learning curve and spotty cityscapes aside, Sega GT is the best driving simulation that Dreamcast fans could hope for. With such a diverse list of things to see and do in a collection of cars and options worthy of any local potluck. That's a weird. Okay, that's an um, interesting reference. How, how could you go? How could you go wrong? A variable mine of gaming gold. You owe it to yourself, your friends, and your Dreamcast to purchase Sega GT today. Man, that sounds like an ad. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the best driving simulator on the Dreamcast is. Test. Gran Turismo 2 with a copy of Bleamcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, God, we won't talk about Bleamcast today. Okay. Well, we should we should bring that up in later later shows, though. Um, but yeah, you had everything from simulation to arcade, like we mentioned, um, you know, San Francisco Rush, but there was also, you know, Star Wars. There was also uh, the simulation stuff that, that Sega did. There was Daytona. There was um, Tokyo Extreme Racer 1 and 2. Those are cool. That, those are great um, chill, like drive and chill kind of games. Oh, dude, the lighting in those, like we, yeah, we talked about this on a Patreon uh, yeah. thing a couple of weeks ago, but like Tokyo Extreme Racer, I, I can't remember if I had one or two, but I remember just being like my jaw was on the floor when I saw the graphics and like what it looked like in Tokyo and night. It was just beautiful. 
Yeah, and and that's and and like I said, the the cool thing about that is is that there aren't any licensed cars in that game. I don't think. I don't know if they're licensed or not, but they're definitely modeled after real cars. Well, um, I, I can tell you right now. Maybe they are licensed. But anyway, the point is, is that all you're doing in that game is driving around the highway system in Tokyo at night racing. Mm-hmm. That's it. And it's a free it's 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 kind of weird to call it a free roaming game because it's really not. You're on a system that, you know, you can't if you escape, you you're basically going to upgrade your car. But you just drive around. And like if you get to another racer and you want to race them, you just get get up behind them, flash your lights and then you're racing. And it's just it's a super relaxing game. <laughs> Yeah, there's just something about it. Just driving around at night in in your own little tricked out car. You did whatever you wanted to it to upgrade it, and you put a livery on it, and it's like, yep, love it. Just drive around at night, racing some dudes on the street. I'm, I'm I'm adding it to the list. I'm taking off Metropolis Street Racer. Oh, and I'm putting on Tokyo Extreme Racer too. I, I think that I think that you need to have both personally, but that's okay. just me. All right. Well, I'm trying to keep this. I'm trying to stay with. A I would dozen drop games. Test Drive Le Mans for you. Well, I was I didn't have that on don't there because I don't like don't simulation games. On. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe maybe I'll cut Daytona. Hey, I got another little treat for you. Yeah. So Tokyo Extreme Racer. Yeah. That was what introduced me to Fast and Furious. I hope so. Because the trailer for the Fast and the Furious was on that game. On the first one or the second one? It was on one of them. Wait. Don't oh no, the Fast and the, the first Fast and the Furious movie. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, it did not have the trailer for Tokyo Drift. If we could retroactively burn that onto a GD ROM, came out then did it? <laughs> no, it came out in two thousand six. Yeah, I think. a little late, a little late. But it had the trailer for the first movie, which was awesome. It was pretty good, and it's being re released in theaters uh, later this month. For is it really? The, uh, yeah, it's the what is it? The twentieth um, anniversary? No, it's the twentieth. No. I forget what anniversary it is. It's the um, 15th anniversary, maybe. No, seventeenth. I right? don't know. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. They're doing Good it movie. for some reason. Good movie. Um, all right, so let's uh, continue to go down our our list. So we we had our racing games, and I think we hit everything on there. Um, and this is a, like these are just kind of like fun facts. We had a couple unreleased games that were more or less complete. Um, Propeller Arena was complete, and then it wasn't released. Uh, that was a a uh, a dog battle uh, flying dog game, dog fighting. No, is it? Do they call it dog fighting in the sky? Well, aerial dog fighting. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, where it was obviously canceled because of the events of nine eleven. Yep. Sad just Which, not to release uh, it. My co-host on Player One Podcast, Phil Theobald, still has a review copy of that game. That's probably worth something. I would say. I have a CDR with it. Yeah, it was a good little game. It was a real shame that it got uh, canceled. Great looking game. Actually, like really good music, too, mm-hmm. um, which if you can dig up the soundtrack of Patella, Propeller Arena like that. Yeah, like, yeah, if I want to have in some aerial battles, that's the soundtrack that I want to listen to. Um, also, Half-Life, um, mm-hmm. which reviewed was reviewed by GamePro, reviewed by GamePro and like literally like promotion materials were out. Um, there were ads running ads running and like this game was was good to go there's a fully playable version of it available on the internet that you could burn to a cd and play on your dreamcast with i mean it, it was clear like they just did not finish it because it wasn't optimized like the load times were kind of ridiculous and like sometimes they were short sometimes they were long and also uh the vmu would sometimes or i sh- should say the save file was sometimes uh, corrupted to the point where it would get too big to save on a VMU. Oh, wow. 
so you you would get to a point and be like because they the save file wasn't always the same size it would like kind of change radically from point to point in the game and i guess i couldn't nail that down but uh this game was never released um but you know the cool thing with the internet today is you can download these games and go play through them. And I played Half-Life on the Dreamcast, and it actually looks really good through a VM, uh, VGA adapter. It's a good way to play that game, except for nice. the load times and the VMU stuff. Um, all right. Well, I feel like, man, we should probably take one more break. Let's take I'm one more break. I'm always up for some more music. All right. Let's, let's take a break. Then Now, then we're going to come back with the iconic games of the Sega Dreamcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. Okay, now we're going to be talking about these are the games that like if you think Sega Dreamcast, a couple of these games are going to pop in your head. And we have to start with the launch games. Uh, first, Sonic Adventure. And yep. Come on, because people people trash this game quite a bit these days, but I think it is still I, I, I thought it was a great game and I think it is is still a, a great looking and, and a pretty good playing game. It's yeah, it's pretty decent. I mean, it's it's got it's got its troubles, but it was the first time it was the first uh, 3D platformer that Sonic Team made. I shouldn't say that because Burning Rangers was before that, but um, it was the first time Sonic was in a 3D world, uh, the, it, truly 3D world that that Sonic Team had worked on. And I think when you consider that, it's pretty damn impressive. And you have to remember, like that, this was the first real Sonic game from Sonic Team since Sonic and Knuckles. So you know, it was it's a huge game. It's definitely. I would not recommend picking up Sonic Adventure Two. That is legitimately got some issues, mm. but Sonic Adventure is fun. It's fun to play with. God, I can't believe. Uh, like again, I'm, I'm I'm like looking up uh, reviews of these games just to get put it into some context. But uh, Sonic Adventure, I actually did buy a copy of that already earlier this week for I think like fifteen bucks. But um, that was pretty well reviewed across the board. Like we mentioned uh, previously, in Japan, it actually did incredibly well, uh, well reviewed across the That's board, and, and sold really well. And it was actually well reviewed here um, because. You know, the visuals were really, really incredible. They ran at 60 frames per second for the most part, and it had one of the best openings of a video game of all time. Like yeah. it, it had its Green Hill Zone, and it was in 3D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> running running down that pier with the whale. Yeah. The killer whale Iconic. jumping behind you. So cool. Iconic. Um, another launch game, Soul Calibur, a... It's a... What is it? A 3D fighting game on the Sega Dreamcast? Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this. No, never. No, Soul Calibur, Perfect 10 from IGN.com and Perfect 10s from, or whatever their equivalent was, from a lot of outlets. This was that game, so weapon, weapon-based fighting game from Namco, sequel to Soul Blade, I think, was the, was the original game. Was it Soul Edge? Soul Edge, maybe, yeah, that's it, um, which was on the PlayStation 1. Uh, but this was, I mean, this game was just perfect. Like, there's no other way to put it. I mean... It was a perfect game right from the start. It had amazing graphics as a launch game, too, of all things. Um, great music, great intro, great control, awesome two-player game. This was the one that – this was the first game me and my friends bought in November 98 for our systems. And 
I would say it was probably the last game we were still playing on our Dreamcast before we <laughs> John. It was we played it nonstop multiplayer for three or four years straight. It's just so good, so good. Uh, I'm happy. I, I looked this up. I was right. It was the uh, sequel to 1996 sleeper Soul Edge. Soul Edge, and uh, which had a great intro as well. By the way, Namco had great intros to their games. Well, this was this was EGM's number one, number one reason to buy a Dreamcast. Yep. Um, and so, why is it must buy? If you're even remotely into fighting games, buy this sucker one second after you plop down the green. God, 1999, man. Flop down the green for a Dreamcast. In fact, buy Soul Calibur just so you can wave this beautiful, high-resolution <laughs> visual feast in front of all Dreamcast non-believers. For a first-generation title, the graphics in Soul Calibur are astonishing. Namco continues to outdo itself. In one look at Soul Calibur, we'll show you why. For the Dreamcast mm-hmm. version, uh, Namco completely rebuilt each character from the ground up to properly take advantage of their Dreamcast extra power. And they finish off by saying, uh, with Soul Calibur on the Dreamcast, what you see is what you get. And in this case, you get a whole lot. Yep. I agree with it completely. It was the game to buy the system for. And and like right next to that was Sonic Adventure 2. That was their that was their number two. They actually really liked really? Uh, Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. Um, to round out their top five was that uh, oddly Ready to Rumble was number three. That's a game we haven't talked about yet. You know, Ready to Rumble was kind of a sleeper hit. It's on the iconic list. Is it? Oh, I'm I'm looking at it and I don't okay. see it. No, it's 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 in there. Are you still looking? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Oh, look, now it's appearing. Yeah, it was in there the whole time. It was a different uh-huh. font. Okay, invisible. I didn't. Invisible I, didn't I didn't really like. I, I understood. I like the visual appeal of Ready to Rumble was something I always got, but I didn't like playing Ready to Rumble boxing. Really, oh, it was a fun. It was a fun little two player game. I agree with you that it's not. I, I wouldn't put it here as something you have to own, but it was kind of a cool little game, and and uh, I think it was Ready to Rumble two that kind of continued the weird relationship that uh, Michael Jackson had with Sega consoles. Yeah, because he was playing. He was in the game. Yeah. yeah, as he was in Space Channel Five. I mean, I just know, like, I Ready to Rumble was just like iconic with the Dreamcast because of the advertising. Like Afro Thunder was in those ads where yeah. you were getting sucked into the Dreamcast, and like he'd be, you know, dancing around, like boxing and and stuff like that. And it was a really high quality uh, American, like Midway was was the developer, so yep. it was a really high quality sort of American game for the launch, which and it was easy for them to use in there because yeah, it totally fit their their marketing. So it made sense. I liked it at the time. Like I said, I wouldn't run out and buy it now. I'm sure it would be pretty cheap. It it, it is pretty cheap, but you know, Soul Calibur's on my list. Sonic, Sonic uh, Adventure, like I said, was uh, was already purchased. Ready mm-hmm. to Rumble Boxing. I am going to skip on that. I think in 2016, like Ready to Rumble is just not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. That I that's mean, fair. that's that's the point of this episode. Is like, what's what's going to be fun? You bet your ass. You you get Tony Hawk one and two on the Dreamcast. You should have copies of those. If I didn't make that clear before, I think uh, you did. Okay, uh, Crazy Taxi. Another reason to own the system. Really? Oh my god, Crazy Taxi and is so good. Would you play Crazy Taxi in 2016? Yep. And have fun for more than five minutes. Yep. That you, game is brilliant. You really want to drive to the Levi store in Kentucky Fried Chicken? Yep. And what was the name of the record store? Uh, Tower Records. Tower Records. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that there have been, what, three Crazy Taxi games total now? Or maybe four? Three console games. Three console games? First one's still the best. 
Okay. Yeah. No, I, I would agree with that. I, I would just say like in 2016, do people really want to put in crazy taxi and play that game? We yes, have- absolutely. It's a great little, because the thing is, is that it's really contained. Uh, it requ- to, to be successful, it requires multiple plays because you need to learn not only the, the map, but you need to learn the best routes and the best customers to pick up. Like there's, there's a, there's an art to that game, to playing that game. But it's not like the it's not the oh this is way too hard pump fifty more quarters in so I can continue like it's not that it's it's playing it and learning each time you play plus mm. it's just a cool game I mean you know it's 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 got that sort of ridiculous Sega style and it's got an amazing soundtrack for the game it fits the <laughs> so well um, it does okay it's it's a fantastic game big, big off shrink fan on the show. I'm not, but it fits this game perfectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hey, Greg, it's okay. I mean, you dude, like the offspring and you want to make some crazy money. That's totally okay. Crazy money. And yeah, but it's just, it's got, you know, like there is, there's an art form to playing the game. Like it's not just go to the first customer you see and and run around because if you start if you start going back and forth on the map, you're not going to get a high score. But if you figure out the way to do like basically a full circuit of the map, because the map comes back around on itself. If you figure out the right customers to pick up to do that, you get crazy money, crazy money. All right. I'm not putting it on it's my a great list. Game. Put it on the list. I'm not putting it, put on, it on my list. list. I played enough crazy. Ta- I, 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 I it owned it back in the day and it's just not something I'm going to go back to a lot. Put it on the list. Right, you're doing list. you're doing your listeners a disservice if you don't put it on the list. All right, I'm putting it on the list. All right, um, all right. So, but don't get number two. I know number I know, two is a mess. I know. Um, I I got that used from a blockbuster. It's oh, bad. It's terrible. Um, okay, so uh, along with that, um, we mentioned Ready to Rumble. Um, we mentioned Crazy Taxi. Uh, Power Stone was an early release. Uh, and Capcom and of course Power Stone Two is the kind of go to for people today, but that's like a hundred dollars. Yikes! So if you really want to play Power Stone Two, what you should probably have done is on the PSN sale last week get the PSP version mm-hmm. with one and two. That was two dollars and fifty cents, which is what I did. God, fun game though. Although I feel like that's a game you got to play multiplayer to really have, have a to. great time with. Absolutely do, and I don't know if you can do that on the PSP version. I don't know either. Yeah, yeah. probably not. Um, but, you know, I bought it because it was on sale, and it's $2.50. Might as well have been $0. Sure. Um, yeah, so if you, if you want to pick that up, I mean, I'm sure that's something that you kind of, like, almost need to have the the friends that are into that game as well because that's one of those games that you can get really good at and then have, have it be no fun to play against anyone yeah. else. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, let's talk about... I don't know if it's my favorite game on the console. It's it's up there though. Um, it, it's the 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 episode. It's the game that you and I talked about for the very first episode we did together uh, with Josh, which was Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio here in the states. Mm-hmm. Best looking game on the console. Yeah, hands down. I'll give it that. Okay. Okay. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. All right. I'm back. It's the game. It's a game that popularized cell shading. Yeah. And yeah, it was just beautiful it's a, a great showpiece gameplay wise it holds up I've, I've been playing it the last couple of days I, I i found a copy in my closet i just had a copy of i somehow I'll, held on to it i'll tell you what i'll give you that if you give me crazy taxi all right fine 
But it, it's not just the gameplay. It's 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 the it's the it's the recipe of the great art design. It's the crazy characters. It's the um it's it's just a ridiculous premise of having a helicopter uh you know shooting machine gun rounds at a child who's spray painting the wall. Um mm-hmm. it is the the incredible soundtrack from uh, incredible Hideki, soundtrack. Hideki Nagamura who um, I just love every time that I tweet him that I'm listening to his soundtrack, he retweets it and he replies and he's the best I'll, for doing it. Although they, uh, Sega of America besmirched it by throwing in some Dragula, but, uh, it was on, it was in every game, right? It was in every game. It was on every game, every commercial, every movie. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's totally okay. But you can still get this, uh, CD soundtrack. Like you can still buy copies, uh, via Amazon Japan. And I recommend doing it because not only is the soundtrack just, and it's also on iTunes, I should say. Sega has a huge wealth of, uh, Saturn, Genesis, and Dreamcast game soundtracks on iTunes. If you, and even like obscure stuff, go take a look if you're interested in any of that. But um, yeah, I love Jet Set Radio and I'm so happy that I finally played through that game. And uh, what I noticed is that it actually looks better. It looks oddly, it looks too sharp on the Vita. Like we play, I played it on the Vita for the episode that we did and I know it's available on PlayStation 3 and, and things like that. But it actually, I believe it looks the best on the Dreamcast. Yeah, I would, I, I would go with that. All I'm saying is, uh, when I say gameplay, I don't mean the, I don't mean the mechanics so much. It's just that the control, the controls are rough. It's a it's hard little to turn rough, around and yeah, you, it's you, a little rough. You start getting tear gas and you start getting shot at, and you're like, I'm yeah. getting hit and I can't get away. It sucks. Yeah. So you got to be ready for that when you go into that game. You got to be ready. It's like, okay, this is not going to be like the smoothest experience, um, but it is a good game. I will give you that. I'm ready. And you can download tags via SegaNet. That was cool. That's cool. Man, so many things are cool about this mm. system. Um, let's talk about Fantasy Star Online. We talked about it extensively in the SegaNet episode. I should say you and CJ did quite a bit. Um, but that is something that, unfortunately, is kind of lost the time because you cannot get online anymore. You, really? You, they don't have any can. legacy servers now? You can. But like, who's going to like actually go through the work to play PSO? On the Dreamcast. Online. Yeah, PSO was kind of of its time, right? I mean, I actually really liked the graphics. I, I loved sort of the realization of that art style in 3D. Great music, too. Yeah, they did a great job in the presentation. Um, yeah, it's just a grind. It's just a loop yeah. grind. And if you don't have people to play with and chat with while you're doing it, then why do it? Amen. I mean, we we're talking yeah. about it back then, but I think it was just like it was the world of Warcraft. It was a place to hang out after work and, you know, play Absolutely. some games. And, and I mean, you had a, you had, the ability to chat with a keyboard yeah. or a microphone. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about uh, where, where should we go from here? We're talking about keyboard. Let's talk about typing of the dead. <laughs> I love typing of the dead. Do you, do you still like pull that out? I mean, I'm guessing that's something that obviously holds up. It does. I don't pull it out so much anymore because they, um, the most recent house of the dead game, they released a typing version of that for PC. You're right. So, you're kind of getting that now, but a great much move. easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you kind of. The only reason I would say you might choose uh, Typing of the Dead over the new one is that the new one has that really gory grindhouse aesthetic that you might not be crazy about. Yeah, that was um, the uh, the House of the Dead. What did they call it? It was on the Wii. Um, yeah, I've got it here on Steam. Damn. Uh, well, 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 while you're saying that. Um, 
you know, again, the, the keyboard is going to be good for, for two things, your F- FPSs and typing of the dead. And that's about it because trust me, you're not going to send email through that Sega, that Sega web browser disc. The typing of the dead overkill. There you go. Boom. Which I'm going to look up the price right now. But it, I bet it's pretty cheap. Um, and, and while you're going through that, I'm going to, I'm going to set the stage for 20 uh, bucks. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's totally cool. <clears throat> uh, but anyway, it was, it was cool. Like I said, it, the only thing with, overkill is that you have to put up with the really super gory grindhouse and a lot of cursing so it's not something that your kids would necessarily play mm-hmm. whereas the dreamcast version is a lot cleaner so there's that but otherwise there's no real reason to get it if you can just grab a pc version all right well i i i don't know i still like the dreamcast version. i like the look of uh house of the dead too so i, I might mm-hmm. go back to that um all right, so let's talk about some RPGs. Skies of Arcadia. This is a game that uh, a lot of people are going to, uh, you know, point at when it comes to some of the best games on that console. And I believe this, this well, it got ported to the GameCube, and yep. it got like not remade, but there were some improvements made to, to random battles and things like that. But you can still play Skies of Arcadia on the Dreamcast, and it is uh, one of the most beloved games. And I, I, I haven't played it just because it's. An RPG on the Dreamcast. It's uh, it's it's one of my secret shames. I've never played through it. it it's okay. It's I mean, it's not Persona Four, so that's why I haven't played it. One one of the things that's worth mentioning. Um, we were just talking about Fantasy Star. Uh, Skies of Arcadia is a Ryoko Kodama game. Who she was a major player in the original Fantasy Star trilogy. Um, the first, second, and fourth games, hmm. I believe. Um, I think she wrote the first and second games, maybe the fourth one. That sounds right. I believe I actually remember you talking about that on your show. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She was, uh, she did, she did a bunch of design work on the first, second and fourth games. So anyway, this is her game. Um, Skies of Arcadia. So she was the producer. It's a hell of a game that people will continually uh, ask for sequels and remakes of. You can't go wrong. Really great game. I've heard, I have not played through it personally. Seems like there was lots of influence of of that game on the. Um, see, this is what's the problem is that we're recording like at eleven p.m. now. Um, the, <laughs> the, the game for um, why, why am I forgetting for the PlayStation Three? It was just remade for the PlayStation Four. Um, it just came out. There was also a PSP sequel. Um, uh, I, I, I will look it up as as we're talking later on. But um, you're oh god, I can see anyway. The, the characters. You're a, you're a sky pirate. You're, it's a, it's yeah. a pirate RPG. Only all the ships and islands are in the sky, right? Um, okay, well, let's talk about Summit Amigo. We talked a little bit about it in the last episode about the the accessories. I never played Summit Amigo, and it's going to be really oh, expensive really? to get that stuff these days. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. Although it's if you're into music games, totally worth it because you're not going to get uh, an experience like it. There was a Wii release of it. Terrible. Did not work the way it should. Hmm. Um. Yeah, like so. With somebody amigo, um, you actually it, you actually got maracas with it. They were connected to a sensor bar, which actually I'd say is probably kind of like the Sega Activator, um, really? where you shake them above the sensor bar, and it just read how high the maraca was on each side of you. <laughs> That's it. That's all it did. And then when you shook it, it 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 counted as an input and had some great music. It was a really really fun game. Actually, I loved mm-hmm. it, and it was one of those games that I remember um, coming home for Christmas that year, and I actually for some reason, carted home from Chicago, Samba de Amigo with the Maracas. To, to Canada? And, and my Dreamcast, yeah. 
and we have we have a Christmas party, a family party every year, and I broke out Samba de Amigo, and everybody from like the kids in my family to like my great aunts were playing Samba de Amigo. It was fantastic. That is, that is pretty rad. It was Valkyria Chronicles that I could not remember. So uh, okay. I guess. Um, yeah. You know, again, I, I think that that might have been a time and place kind of thing, but or, or maybe it's just I'm not willing to make the investment of getting maracas and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a pricey venture, and like I said, you do not get the same experience from the Wii version. I got it really excited because I thought I was going to get that experience again, and no, not even close. Uh, let's talk about, and now, now we're getting to some of the, like the best stuff. Um, we talked about skies of Arcadia. There's also a sequel to Grandia, Grandia two on mm-hmm. the, the sacred dreamcast, which is incredibly well-respected and, and well-loved game. RPG. Yep. And, uh, although can, also available on the PS2, I believe. No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Maybe it, it's, it's available on the PC today though. Oh, okay. Well then get it that way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about some weird stuff. I want to talk about Space Channel 5, which we did not get part two here in the States, or I guess what we did on the PlayStation 2, maybe? We did, yep. The PlayStation 2 release had parts one and two, although you could get part two on the Japanese uh, Dreamcast, which right. playing Japanese games on the Dreamcast was pretty easy. But. Super, super easy, but should, should I play this game? I've not played Space Channel 5 before. Should I play this game? It's $15 brand new. Yeah, definitely worth it for fifteen bucks. What am I getting myself? It's into just a here? rhythm game. It's it's just a rhythm game with this really weird style, um, and it's done by I think it's done by Mizuguchi, isn't it? Tetsuya Mizuguchi. Yeah, that, I mean, I would believe that. Seems like a game he'd make. Um, I mean, I, I know Lala. Like she's an iconic figure in in Sega, and also yeah. in the in the Sega ads. Okay, I just bought a copy. It's, it's fourteen ninety five. Brand silly, new. On Amazon. It's silly and it's short and it's got this really incredible style. And it's it, for fifteen bucks. Yeah, definitely worth playing. Um, it's gonna be awesome just to get the we. I, I mean, I've I've owned this game in the past. I just never played it. Where there's the. Um, like the, what? What are they called? Those those like reflect not reflective, but yeah, it's the, got the, the lenticular cover. Lenticular. There I'm you. I'm looking go. at Thank it you. right now. Just, <laughs> just, yeah. just brought like a pile of Dreamcast games over. I to did. That's you. how. I I re- that's literally how I remembered what I was going to talk about tonight. Awesome. Love it. Um, so space Channel, space channel five part two. Yeah, United Game Artists was the comp- was the developer mm-hmm. that made this. Um, also quite good. I think that I, I have a feeling that would go for more of a premium. Yeah, um, where you probably get the PlayStation Two version a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. But Space Channel Five for fifteen bucks, you can't go wrong. I already bought it. I already bought it. It's, it's one click. Talk to your listeners, man. Ready to go. Um, what about? Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of other great games. Like you know, go pick up Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. But I don't know how those games play today. Like those three D yeah, platformers. The thing is, is three D platformer on the on the Dreamcast. Or maybe you only got the one analog stick. Right. At least That's Sonic wrong. had the, you know, the camera was improved for the States and you had the L&R mm-hmm. camera system going on. But, yeah. um, all right, well, let's continue to move on. Let's talk about, uh, have to, we have to, we have to talk about it. Omicron. The, what the hell is this doing on the list? I, I don't know why I brought this up. I think I was reading a issue of Retro Gamer. Um, when I learned about this game and, and learned that it was done by David Cage and Quantic Dream. Um, mm-hmm. and Who also did Ooga Booga on this system, by the way. They did that? Apparently. Holy smokes. Um, well, I, I, I'm a huge... I played, I played Fahrenheit. I played Indigo, 
Indigo Prophecy when it was called Fahrenheit. Like I got that um, through the internet on my Xbox. It just like you were wearing your really dark horn rimmed glasses when you said that. Yeah, it was. On, it I was, was on, into I was into Indigo Prophecy when it was called Fahrenheit. Yeah, and when it had the full sex scene in it. So <laughs> um, I I actually really like that game, and I and I'm a fan of why well, I, I I I mean you play these games once. Like I I played through um, sure whatever it was. Um, what was the game that he made for the PlayStation 3, the first one? Um, uh, Heavy Rain. Heavy Rain. And then I also really liked the other one with the other people. Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. See, yeah. this is what happens where it's 11 p.m. My brain stops working. But um, yeah, I really like those games and I, I want to check it out. It's an open world game and it takes place in the future and it have, has David Bowie. It's it's worth checking out and it's like 40 or 50 bucks. But Oh God, no! What do you don't tell people to check it out? Oh, you look check at videos. It out. Look at videos of it online. You check it out and then do do an episode. No, I have. Of I, pl- it. I played like like ten hours of it. Okay, I've actually kind of like forty it. or fifty bucks. Yeah, I just go watch some videos oh. of it online. I know. I just I want to bring it up because it is iconic. Like it's Omicron. It's David okay. Bowie in a video so game working getting, in a club. Getting back to games, we should be talking about Seaman. Seaman. There you go. How you, how expensive is that? Uh, again, it's like 50, 60 bucks with the microphone. See that, that I would say you might consider. You're never getting another experience like this ever. And I mean, prices prices are just going up since the, the death of, uh, Leonard Leonard Nimoy. So right. Leonard Nimoy narrates this game. So the entire game is you raising a little creepy little fish with a human head. And the way you raise him is to talk to him. That's it. You just talk to him. Um, what, what do you like? What do you like to few weeks? What do you like to say in, in, in <sighs> oh, terms I don't of like inspirational quotes? Was it like, did you read from poetry, you know, great leaders <laughs> or don't remember at all, to be honest. I just remember it being a really interesting experience. And you're like I said, you're not going to get anything else like it anywhere ever. And if you're remotely interested, you should try it. Okay. And it makes use of the microphone. So you might want to use that microphone for alien front online. There you go. Oh, Alien Front Online. Wow. Uh, one of the game I wanted to bring up real quick, and this yeah. was an arcade release as well, and I don't know how much this costs, but if it's cheap enough, check out 18 Wheeler. Uh, it's, it's cheap. It's like 20 bucks. It's so cool. It's, it's a Sega arcade racing game, but you're driving an 18 Wheeler across the country um, in like two or three minute levels, only about four or five levels. And of course, because it's a Sega arcade racer, you're race you're racing against a rival who's trying to run you off the road the whole time but it's just such a weird <laughs> cool idea that's so sega late 90s um and it's so cool cuz if you choose the different trucks if you drive in the in in cab view um the the cabs for each truck they have all these cool little bits and pieces that are kind of jostling around while you're driving and mm-hmm. it's all based on who you're driving as and then there's a bunch of mini games about parking the it sounds stupid when you say it out loud but parking the truck and backing it up and things like that it's just this really cool little game that takes about 20 minutes to play through but there's a bunch of different ways to play it and uh, i would highly recommend it for 15 bucks it's it's great new copies for 30 wow you know one of the things about this just want to call this out and i know that we've got a couple more games to talk about here yeah. but i really feel like the end of the Saturn was like this as well, but you really see it here on the Dreamcast. Right around this time was when Sega splintered their internal development studios 
into their own sort of their own entities and let them sort of just go be creative. Mm-hmm. And that's what you got on the Dreamcast. It was like this perfect storm because like, you know, suddenly you had AM2 and Overworks and United yes. Game Artists and, yes. and I mean, all these different groups that I'm going to forget. Um, and they were all doing their own thing. And that's why you have all these weird, crazy, creative... Space Channel 5, C-Man, Space Channel 5, like, Rez. Rez was Jets a Dreamcast game. The first Rez was actually a Dreamcast game that's first. That's for next episode. Sorry, but anyway, the point being, yeah, look at all those and look at those Japanese exclusive games like Tokyo Bus Driver and Sega Ga and all that. They were just going nuts, and and they were just being, and Sega was allowing them to be like ridiculously creative, and that's what's so great about this system. And it's a bummer because they were doing that to, I mean, not to like, I mean, they were doing it to save the system, but it was also for like for hardcore gamers. That was kind of like what we wanted. It was something that you weren't going to find on the PlayStation Two, and you bet your ass you weren't going to find it on a Nintendo console. Yeah, I mean, for as innovative as Nintendo could be, like they played it super safe on the GameCube. Oh yeah, and the thing is, is that this was sort of a flash because it didn't take long for them to fold everybody back in. Again, yeah. it was only a few years yeah. where all this was happening. So it's you're in, and like this is this is the system where it started, and this is the system where the bulk of the content lives. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a major reason to own it. Well, really, the the final game to to talk about in this are we have two more games. We have uh, we have one more game, and then we have the best game on the console. Um, we have Resident Evil Code Veronica, which again, it's it's Capcom bringing the ruckus and. Like mm-hmm. showing support with a with a exclusive Resident Evil Evil title. It's not a number title, but it, it is a hell of a game. It was no longer pre rendered backgrounds, full three D backgrounds and environments, and it was when it came out the best looking game on home consoles. Yeah, I would graphically give you that. most graphically yeah. impressive game on home consoles at the time. Uh, and it's I've been playing through it actually the last couple nights uh, streaming on YouTube and. It's okay. I mean, it's it's still it's an old Resident Evil game, so it still plays like you would think it would play, and it still has all the crappy things that you have to deal with, like ink ribbons and inventory slots and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so tank probably, controls, tank controls, but um, terrible voice acting. Uh, but it, it 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 is it's kind of interesting because it's it's a huge ass game too. It's like twenty five hours long. Yeah, and it's I mean it's one of those games that kind of you know identifies Dreamcast right. Like it was a Dreamcast game. I know it yep. came out elsewhere later, but it was a Dreamcast game. Well, this game only came out on the Dreamcast, and it's a game that we have to end with. We we save the best for last when it comes to it's a it's a divisive game, but I believe that Shenmue is the best game on this console. I would. It's a perfect. It's a perfect not game. Totally agree with you, but I think it's a game you have to experience. Have you gone onto the passport disc of your? <laughs> were were, yeah, you, well, were see, you with you, me when I was watching that? Yeah, you were discovering this the other night. I just I knew this back when it oh, came. Oh my god! Okay, so I've owned a copy of Shenmue for forever, and um, I always thought the passport disc, the fourth disc, was exclusively for online content stuff. So I didn't realized there was a bunch of extra content on there. So when I booted it up, I found like trailers. I found like uh, the, I guess it's like the character models that will just talk really to you. Really high res character models. Really yeah. high res that you could zoom in and spin around and like. You know, the, 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 just to th- real quick, yeah, the, yeah. Year that, the year that the PlayStation 2 was coming out, I believe, 
in the U.S., um, Sega showcased those models in their booth at E3 mm-hmm. because they looked just as good as anything that Sony was showing. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, geez, Shenmue looks as good as a lot of PlayStation 2 titles. Like, it's graphically really impressive. It's on a very small scale, and you're dealing with loads and stuff like that. But the that game was... That game was super vital for me in my love of Japan and my desire to go to Tokyo. And that's something that is, it encapsulates the special qualities of the Dreamcast and its library. Like that is a game that you would not see the obsessiveness that Yu Suzuki had on that game in terms Mm -hmm. of like breaking down where you could open up drawers, you could find stuff in drawers, you go to the convenience store, you could buy like a bunch of stuff that's on the shelf. You could go down to the local arcade, you can play some space area, you could play some darts, you could play some hang on, you could do all that stuff. You could do crazy things like you could do, um, uh, what are those things called? Um, gotcha. forkl- forklift races. Oh, forklift racing. And uh, there's even just more that 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 carries over to Shenmue too, which is why I'm so pumped. Like the it's my copy is showing up tomorrow. I'm looking forward to jumping in. I'm probably going to stream that shit all night tomorrow night. Um, staying on a Saturday night playing Shenmue two in 2016. Hi, my name is Kevin Larrabee. I'm 30 and I'm not married. <laughs> <laughs> like that's 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 the sacrifice I'm making for this audience. Oh my god! Is I'm I'm in on a Saturday night playing Shenmue two because, like my uh, my Nozome, because you don't want to procreate. Yeah, my Nozome has not shown up yet. Um, so we'll see. Maybe maybe on the day when it snows. Well, you gonna go? Uh, yeah, the day of the incident. Yeah, when it when it when it snowed. Did you see that black car <laughs> on the day it snowed? Yeah, on the day that it snowed. Did you the in- of the incident? Um, you just got to go to uh, British Columbia. That's where Nozomi was from. Oh, of course she was. Um, yeah, th- th- I, again, I think this game is incredible. I'm so pumped because we are getting E3 tomorrow or this week, actually in like two days, I guess, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And we get to potentially see more Shenmue oh, I would 3. love if he shows off some Shenmue 3. I hope so. There's, there's. I mean, you've been working on this crap for a year. There's got to be something that we can see. And it's okay because I've not played through Shenmue 2, and you haven't either. So we are going to be going on this journey to China together. Separately. Yes. Together but separately. Together but separately. And we're yeah. playing the PAL version, which uh, mm-hmm. we'll talk about on next episode, I guess. But yeah, you got to, I mean, as far as a buyer's guide goes, you got to play Shenmue. You, you got to play it. And I just don't get like there. There are lots of people that just like crap on this game, and you got to respect it. <laughs> you really well. Do. That's just it. I mean, even if you want to, you know, there's a lot of you can take aim at a lot of things. And again, one of the things that really I would love to see because there's rumbles now again of Sega maybe doing HD remakes of these, and if they do, they've got to put in camera control on the right stick. And if they do that, it'll fix most of the problems with this game because that's really it. It it just it. The only major, I mean, sorry, shouldn't say the only mm-hmm. major complaint for this game is the fact that the way Rio moves and the camera moves are really rough because there just aren't enough buttons for it. Yep. Um, that and the pacing can be rough, but the pacing is kind of what you make it in a way because you can go do other stuff, right? You exactly. Can go and it's like and you, talk you to get people. this, you get this kind of, you know. I mean, it's, I don't think it's a huge spoiler. The game starts and your father is murdered. And that's like, oh, God, we have to go find out what happened. Let's chase this guy. Oh, wait, but there's a gotcha machine right here. And there's an arcade over here. And there's a, a ramen stand here. Let's go talk to that guy. And, you know, but 
the thing is, is that as far as a living, breathing world goes, and this was before Gran Turismo or Gran Turismo, Grand Theft Auto Three. Yeah. Like, and the, when you start realizing that, like, there's a day-night cycle, um, all the people in the world have lives. Like, they're they go to work and like their stores are only open a certain time and then you can see them and they leave their, they leave their stores and they walk home and, and you could go knock on their door at their house. Doing, yeah. And they're all doing this stuff. And it's like, when you realize that this was happening in a game from so long ago, it's amazing. Like what they pulled off is just amazing. And it, it again, I, I think if, if you go through that and you can go into it knowing, yeah, you know, there's going to be some times where we're going to just need to like, wait, you're going to have to just like leave yep. the controller there, go make a sandwich or something like that. And you're going to have to wait until it's 2 PM and the bar opens and then you can go inside and then you can talk to the guys and like ask them about some sailors. Like you're going to need to do that. And yeah, it's, it's part of the charm. And it's, it is what I'm like, I know what I'm getting into. I played, I've may have played like six hours or maybe like four or five hours of Shenmue two on the, on the Dreamcast, And, I'm obviously going to be restarting since I've just bought another copy and that was years ago, but um, I'm looking forward to kind of getting back into that world. And like it is, it's in a unique piece of video game history that deserves to be experienced, especially when it's like, it's like 25 bucks. It's not. Yeah, exactly. And honestly, if you're, if you're a fan of uh, Yakuza games, this is where they started. Yeah. Yeah. Yakuza games are basically Shenmue. And and I can't believe I can't get into the Yakuza games. I yeah, don't me know, too. I don't know why. Like I've tried playing them, and um, like if you're listening to this man, like I've tried getting into those games, but it's just really, really, really tough. And maybe it's just because they're so ambitious or, or longer. Maybe they just don't have the charm that Shenmue does. But that being said, also if you're a Shenmue fan, go check out the Yakuza games. Yeah, totally. All right, so we're we're at the kind of the end of episode two for the summer of dreamcast and we talked a lot about the the games of the sega dreamcast in the united states and you probably can tell this is being recorded a couple days later because we're not super tired and we're actually able to talk right now but one of the things that we forgot to record were our five favorite or fave five dreamcast games and i'm kind of i'm kind of going at it as a mixture of you know what holds up today and also you know what really made the dreamcast so important to to us back then so there's no real strict rules we're playing it fast and loose and we're also going to be getting this along with and you already heard it in episode one with with jj but talking to a lot of people in the industry about their favorite games and their favorite memories of the the dreamcast uh itself and wow greg can you believe that 30 minutes with with jj from a4 that was a long time just to talk about five games we, we we talked about his memory of the Dreamcast, and then we also talked about his his five favorite games. Right on. And uh, to this episode, I don't know who is also in this episode, but it's you know probably I'm going to guess it's I'm going to say Ryan Payton. I'm going to I'm going to guess that's that. a good person to have. Yeah, I'm honored to be on the same episode as Ryan Payton. You know what odd thing? He was a fan of the show, and I didn't know that. And that was really cool. Back my play. That's awesome. Yeah, that was, I mean, you must have heard through 8.4 or something like that. But yeah, got to talk to him about Shenmue 2 and got to talk to him about uh, the Dreamcast. Of course, he's a huge fan. He he actually posted, uh, and you guys probably heard the story, but um, he he sent me this on Twitter that the very first thing he ever purchased on Amazon was a a Sega Dreamcast VMU. (laughs) They must have like had him when everyone else was out of stock in the United States, so. 
That would be surprising. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start, and then we'll do uh, alternating. This way, you can you can kind of go back and forth. And these are in no particular order. They're just our five favorite games, uh, either back then or what holds up today. And we'll talk about the justifications for all of them as we go forward. But uh, I cannot do this list without maybe the most important game for me on the Dreamcast, and maybe the most important game, one of the, my most important games in my history of video games is what got me to Japan. And that is, of course, uh, Shenmue for its incredible ability to transport me as a, at the time, 14 year old to 1986 Japan. And I got to do crazy things like, you know, get introduced to the, the idea that vending machines are all over the place. Or just the the idea that I could have a Sega Saturn, or the idea that I could walk down to the arcade and play some Hang On or play some mm. Space Harrier, um, and that game is something that was just so unique, and it's still I believe it holds up. You know, to this day, if you plug in a uh, Dreamcast via VGA into a nice monitor, or you upscale it through like a, a frame meister, it looks really good and it's still uh, an impressive game. And it's even more so right now we're playing through Shenmue 2. And that I'm, I'm blown away that they were able to improve on that engine and improve on the amount of content in that game in such a short period of time. So uh, definitely going to have to mention Shenmue. Yeah, and I mean, like the key thing for me with that, like you said, when you put it on a nice monitor or you upscale it... Um, the quality of the, the textures in that Still game good. was ridiculous. When you consider how old that game is, it's like, wow, you just didn't you just didn't see it. You didn't see that back then. And like, you know, you don't have a ton of reuse all over the place and everything you like everything you can touch and interact with and yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, even just like there's there's random, you know, stores that you can walk to, into and everyone is living their own lives in that game. Like yeah. there's they're all unique, not all. There are many unique characters that are just kind of going through their daily motions throughout mm-hmm. the game and you can kind of follow them back to your you know, follow them back to their house or you can kind of see that they go into the convenience store and then they go from the convenience store down to, you know, the uh like the shirt shop and like they buy some, like not buy some clothes, but you can see, you know, how they're going through their day to day life. Or maybe they stop into the bar and they actually go and sit down, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. they, they sit down or they get lunch someplace and then you can fall back. Like just the level of realism and the, the life that that game had was, was something that was unimaginable to me as, as a kid. And it lived up to the hype for me. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most important games ever, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, we're going to get Shenmue 3 very soon, and uh, I still believe that Ethan is wrong. It will not get a 60 and a 70. <laughs> oh, my God. Listen to the Player One podcast, folks. All right, so what listen do you got, Greg? Ethan and, Ethan and Kevin come to blows. So Shenmue is not listen, on my listen, list. Listen to him review a game based on three pre-rendered videos. Based on the title. Yeah, based uh, on the title of a game. So Shenmue's not on my list, but to be honest, like if you ask me that my list tomorrow probably won't be the same as it is right now. Sure. And Shenmue sits near the top. For me, and again, no in no particular order, um, but the first one on my list is Crazy Taxi. And I know you don't necessarily see eye to eye with me on this one, but mm-hmm. um, that game, I mean, it's just a great game in general. Mm-hmm. It's a great arcade game. It's an it's such a cool take on excuse me, uh, an arcade driving game. <clears throat> it's not just a racer and and honestly the reason why i have the respect that i do for that game 
I loved it when it came out. I never played it in the arcade, actually. Um, but I loved it when it came out on the Dreamcast. And it was one of the games that I got to do a strategy guide for when I worked at Expert Gamer. Um, I think it was the first game I worked on that actually had the cover as well. And so I learned the whole map very intimately. And that's where I started to sort of understand, like, there is a, a sort of a method to this madness. And, like, there is... A, a real strategy involved in um, keeping your timer running as long as possible. It's not just, you know, get to the closest customer and deliver them as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. There, you actually want to skip customers and find different ones that, you know, and you sort of, there's there's a major risk reward there because some customers pay you a lot more, but they're going a lot further distance. And mm-hmm. so you need to sort of intricately know the map and know that, you know, if I take the shortcut through the, uh, through the parking garage, I have to slide at this certain spot and I can get down in between the cars and I can jump and I land like right near the tower record store or whatever it was. Um, and also even the cars that you choose, like knowing that taking a certain car means when you're going up the hill, you don't have to try to stay on the road. You can actually just go over the grass. Well, as well, if you're using different cars, they slow down so much on the grass that it's not worth doing that. So there's, there's a ton of strategy involved in what is a, just a really compact, extremely well-made game. And of course, you got to go from reverse to drive to get the boost at the start. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Learn the boot, the crazy boost, the crazy drift, the crazy jump. It's so, so crazy. Cool. Crazy stop. Crazy uh, money. Well, speaking of crazy stuff, um, I'm going to mention Marvel versus Capcom 2. Um, mm. And this is a game that I played so, 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 so much in college thanks to Disc Juggler. And the the game itself is it's the best of the Marvel versus Capcom in the Marvel I would say the Capcom versus series I believe it is the best iteration and I don't know because I, I did pick up a ca- uh, copy of uh, Capcom versus SNK um, and and I never really played that at all the only version of that I really played was a I believe it was a bootleg version that came out for the Neo Geo uh, arcade hardware. And it, it kind of ran a little bit weird, but the uh, Marvel versus Capcom two was just something that was so great for a casual fighting fan, where you're able mm-hmm. to do incredibly amazing looking stuff with very little skill, and everyone really had a shot. You know, when you got to bring people in, you know, from my dorm room and stuff like that, like you know, everyone that I live with had a shot of of you know making making cool things happen or potentially just coming out of nowhere to win if they just line up the you know right amount of attacks like you could really you could button mash or you could be a little bit more strategic and actually juggle people as you jumped in and out and tagged people in and stuff like that so and that's the mark of a great game right if you're if you're talking about a party game that you want to play with your friends that's the kind of fighting game you want you don't want a game like i mean i love virtual fighter as an example mm-hmm. but i mean in virtual fighter if you master characters in that game you become sort of this elite group where you're the only ones who can really fight each other because otherwise you're just going to destroy anyone else who picks up a controller because that game is so technically you got to be so technically proficient at that game to do really well whereas i mean that level of skill if you have that level of skill in a game like marvel vs. capcom you are going to do really great but you can still just pick up the controller and have fun being a complete rookie Right, and you have 56 characters to choose from, and that was a huge that was a huge attraction to me as well because you got to play as all of these, and it actually had a really good progression. Like, if you lost your VMU with all your unlocks on it, you'd be like, oh my God. I have to. <laughs> but it was actually okay because you're like, all right, well, I'm going to just kind of go through 
the the story mode you basically have to go through it over and over and over again build up points and then you can unlock the characters through there but mm-hmm. you know when I when I got to kind of really lock down and these are like the ones that a lot of people pick like Cable and you know Kenner Ryu uh, the Cable Me- was a huge one the C- Cable was definitely a huge one uh, Mega Man and also uh, you know Cyclops and this kind of like still was the game that I came back to I really got into once I got an arcade machine of Marvel versus Street Fighter. I really love that iteration of the Versus series as well, but you just can't compete against this lineup of characters. And again, with the technical specs of the Dreamcast and the Naomi uh, hardware at the time, or I guess, you know, for the Capcom stuff, it was running on CPS 2. Uh, no, it was CPS 3. No, sure. CPS, CPS, it was used, I can't remember what revision of the CPS hardware it was running on, but um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful game, and it absolutely looked. Uh, it looked great, and it still holds up today. It's why people demanded that Xbox Live and PSN version of the game, and uh, unfortunately, it's now delisted. So it's why this you know physical version is even more important. Physical for life, dude. I know. That's what this podcast is about. It's about physical stuff. Speaking of physical, uh, my next game is Samba de Amigo. Um, again, more because I think the reason I'm picking this is it really defines the Dreamcast for me and, and the Dreamcast is the only system you can play it on and get the real experience if you have the hardware. Um, I was big into music games, uh, back then I was big DDR fan. My, I have about, I don't even want to count how many versions of DDR I have on home consoles. Um, but I mean, even on the PlayStation one, I think I've got five or six of them and that's all due to Chris Johnston. Cause he was a huge DDR guy as well. We used to, when we were in, um, in, uh, Chicago or not really in Chicago, but in Illinois, um, we would go to GameWorks and he and I, and a bunch of his friends, um, cause I just moved there and we would just sort of take over the DDR machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was ridiculous, but loved those games, played, played a ton of them. Uh, it was in great shape. And when... Uh, DDR came or uh, Samba de Amigo came out. I mean, you know, Streamcast, so that's one thing. It's Sega, so mm-hmm. that's another thing. And it's got maracas. And the thing that I found about with that game is that um, when I would bust that out with my family who didn't have any gamers in the crowd, mm-hmm. even like my my aunts and uncles and you know old my the older generation of my family, everybody wanted to turn. It just because there's something about it. I mean, you get to shake maracas, and the game was it just looks like so a ton of fun so friendly it looks like a ton of fun and it's really easy to understand just to look at it and it doesn't require you to be really all that skillful you just shake the maracas and sort of mm-hmm. hope for the best plus it had an amazing soundtrack and great graphics and everything like that so it really, it's one of the games that defines the dreamcast for me yeah unfortunately i totally missed out on that game i've never played it <laughs> that's a shame because it was great well maybe we'll play it on the dreamcast live ah stream. there you go yeah that way I can be introduced to it, and that's why that way people can see crazy, terrible you, video of me. You know, it's uh, it's two players. It's two players simultaneous. If I can, if I can score another uh, maraca set, yeah, we'll figure it out. We we got yeah. eBay. The internet gives us access to the world. So, um, all right. Well, the the next thing that I'm going to pick is uh, NBA Showtime slash NFL Blitz, and I'm allowed to pick that as one game because <laughs> it is. It was actually how the arcade hardware was set up. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Blitz, Blitz Showtime was a combo uh, arcade machine. 
Uh, so you actually had uh, both games on the hard drive and it ran on the same board. So, And uh, later in maybe 2010, I actually owned an NBA Blitz Showtime uh, cabinet and I played it just a ton. Like I had seasons, I had like multiple season playthroughs on both games and got really obsessed with, got obsessed with that. Uh, the only problem was, you know, having gotten so good that anyone that played against me just got destroyed. Um, and the the memories that I have of this game is just because I got arcade perfect versions of Blitz. I had Blitz on the N64 as well, and it kind of didn't run. It was blocky. It ran okay, but it didn't run as well as it did on the, the Dreamcast. Obviously, it looked way right. better, and it was pretty much, I mean, it was undistinguishable from, from arcade perfect. So, Man, it's it's a shame that we don't have, and I'm sure that it, a lot of it has to do with the NFL not being okay with it. But I mean, EA has that Blitz license. Yeah, just, well, they could just release. They couldn't. Blitz. They, they did. They did two years ago or three. Yeah, but years it wasn't ago. the same, wasn't it? It well, was. They couldn't it was based because on the, Madden, the NFL. They couldn't. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's a shame that that's the case. Like, I mean, I guess you know, no fun league and all that stuff. But I just hate that they're so protective of their image that they won't allow something that would honestly do nothing but um, help them really help their image. Well, you know, something so fun out there on the market. The NFL is a terrible company and a terrible organization because they don't care about their players. And that's why I don't really watch the NFL stuff anymore. That's me getting a little bit uh, overly sensitive. But um, you know what you should do is you should probably watch the movie Concussion and you should probably look uh, at what they've done in terms of just turning a blind eye to concussion research and watching their athletes kill themselves and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, you know, in the name of money. If, if that was their justification for it, it was one thing. But now it's just because it's a family friendly image. And that's the why, reason why they're doing it. Yeah. Um, because you remember the, all those videos, like it actually happened in, I was loading up and this is another game I'm going to talk about later, but NFL 2K2, the, the opening video for that is just nasty hard hits. Well, it's funny because, um, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say that because I, I'm, I think, I think I might get myself in trouble. Okay. But don't worry about it. Um, either way. Yeah, you're right there. It's, it's this false family friendliness that, uh, they've, they've taken on now that, yeah. Times have changed. Let's not get too political on that. No. So let's uh, talk about your next game. My next game. I don't have a good way to transition into this. It's another one of those games that defines the Dreamcast for me, and that's Seaman. Wow. We have completely different lists. That's Isn't that great? <laughs> it is. It allows us to talk about 10 games and kind of cheat. Exactly. See, that's the whole point. Uh, yeah. So again, another game that is just completely weird. Do you think like, people could play that today and have fun? I think so. Yeah, absolutely, because it doesn't require that it's on a new console and it doesn't require that it's it doesn't even need to be sort of up to date. I mean, again, another example, uh, when when my wife and I first moved in together, um, she's not a gamer and uh, I don't even know how I I was going to say introduced her to C-Man, but that that's not what I meant. Sounds terrible. I know, um, but I, I still have the Dreamcast hooked up and one day I was just like, she was saying, I want to try to play something. And I was like, you should check this game out because you know, it's, it's super casual. It's like, you just sit there and talk to it mm-hmm. and it talks back to you. And she played, she raised that thing and she played through right to the the end game. And it's the Jeez. only game I've ever seen her sit and be that into outside of something like Farmville. Like it was, um, it was awesome to watch. And it was cool because I got to watch her experience it after I'd, I'd played it years before. So I can't remember if uh, it was you or CJ that I talked to, but uh, CJ, uh, JJ that I talked to, but I believe it was him that he actually ended up turning it off once 
you know, Seaman was trying to convince him to kill his parents or something like that, <laughs> or like that Seaman was going to kill his family. It yeah, it it's uh, it gets weird. It, it gets, gets really weird. weird. Well, it starts out really weird to be honest, but it's just a, it's just again, it's one of those it's one of those experiences you can only get on the Dreamcast, and uh, I think it's worth having. Okay, and you got to make sure that you if you buy it, buy the microphone as well. You need the microphone. You yeah. need the microphone. You cannot play without the mic. Um, so next thing I'm going to talk about is Jet Set Radio. Again, I think it was you know partially due to the, the amazing soundtrack that I still listen to today. Um, and, of course, the the in, the in just super Japanese-ness. I don't know if that's a good classification, but it was super Japanese. Uh-huh. And the along with the art style and just like... Skate, uh, excuse me, rollerblading was cool. Skateboarding was cool back in 2000. And visually, it was just, it blew you away. Playing that on my Sega Dreamcast magazine demo disc made it an instant purchase. And I know I mentioned this in the show already, but I, I think it is just one of those games that still holds up. I think the best way to still play it is on a Dreamcast if you can. But if you can't, it's available on the PC. It's available on PSN and Xbox Live on the 360 and PlayStation 3. So go and check it out. And please, for the love of God, go to iTunes and get the soundtrack for that. And Jet Set Radio Future, those soundtracks basically feel like they've been pulled out of the future. They're great. Yeah, they're awesome. Still some camera issues. You know, a little bit of camera yes. issues and difficulty spikes. But if you allow yourself to not get too frustrated, it's great. See, the thing is, too, is that we are now in a time where what we've had um, analog controllers with dual sticks on consoles for, what, like 17 or 18 years. Um, it gets hard to go back and play a fully 3D game with a single analog controller because we're also used to being able to control that camera mm-hmm. uh, with the other stick. So, so I mean, I, th- I feel like, I feel like um, those games age poorly in a way that makes them seem way more difficult to play than they were at mm-hmm. the time because at the time we were also just coming off the Saturn and the uh, N64 mm-hmm. which did only have single analog sticks so we were used to it right it wasn't as it wasn't as irritating it is as it is sort of to today's gamer sensibilities it would have been great I mean think about how much better that console would have been with two sticks because oh my god of all the the first person shooters and and you know Sonic uh, think how much better the yeah. Sonic games would have been Action adventure games when you didn't need to put the camera on L and R. Yeah, yeah. What do you but got? That's how it was. Uh, next game is pretty simple. Soul Calibur. Okay. One of the first games. One of the best games. One of the games you have to own. Um, like I mentioned on one of the episodes here, either this one or the previous one. Um, first game I. It was the first game I ever played on the Dreamcast, and it was the game that when we finally retired our Dreamcast, me and my group of friends were still playing almost daily. What do you mean when you were you retired your Dreamcast when you put it in the box? Yeah, basically, you know, when we finally moved on to when the yes, PlayStation too. 2 had finally taken sort of taken hold and it's like, okay, this is sort of our system, mm-hmm. you know, like up until that point, um, we were playing it like almost every day for like three or four years straight. Uh, just tons and tons and tons of, of technique uh, in there. And I mean, considering that it was one of the very first games, it's still one of the best looking games on the system. Mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah, for sure. It's just, a, it's a masterpiece. Uh, I also picked up a copy of that and I don't know, it'll be interesting trying to pick up that game so many years later. I, I played mm. a lot of, this is again, one of those weird 
game trailers things where Soul Calibur 3 mm-hmm. came out when I was a game... Would have been... Yeah, it would have been Soul Calibur 3. Came, it was the one with um, the Star Wars characters in it. Maybe that was yeah, 4. I'm pretty sure that's 3. Okay. It was either 3 or 4, and um, I played a lot of Soul... If you... I don't know if those videos are still online, but if you look up videos of Soul Calibur on GameTrailers.com, a lot of that is me playing against someone else. Um, and that's how I really got into to Soul Calibur. And I enjoyed it, um, but it was just mostly because of how great that game looked on the 360 and PS3. Right. And that was one of the like really big, like, oh man, which which one is the better on PS3 or Xbox? I remember we did, I think we did one of those videos too, like comparison between Xbox 360 <laughs> and PS3 and all that crap. Um, but yeah, that allowed me to play a lot of that game during my internship. So it was good. Oh, I have to talk about a game. You're next. All right. So uh, this is this is definitely something that I can talk a little bit better about now than when we recorded last week because I've had a bunch of games come in in the last couple of days. And I'm kind of cheating a little bit with this one, but uh, NBA and NFL 2K series. And we'll just say 2K2. Because no NHL? Was, uh, no. Ah. Um, yeah, so basically the the thing with these games is, especially with NFL, NFL holds up incredibly well. NFL 2K2 uh, still looks good, and the tackle animations are are great. Uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous how long it took for Madden to catch up to that game. Um, but yeah, again, uh, NFL plays great. It's still a lot of fun, like playing as... You know, the terrible 2001 Patriots um, that did not have Tom Brady on the team. But the the game still holds up. It's still fun to play. The commentary is still fantastic. And the replays, the presentation of those games is really what made them so fantastic to me. They, they not only played well, but they looked well. And it felt like a televised experience uh, on the NFL side and the NBA side. Like I got, even the last couple of days, I, I set up... I forgot like both these games, if you want to do anything with these games, they need their own memory card because of how much space they require <laughs> to save. Right. Because you're saving like basically a franchise or you're saving a custom roster and all that stuff. But the uh, both NBA, uh, I started a a fantasy franchise. So I got to do all the drafting and like I made sure like I still got Paul Pierce and I got Kevin Garnett. So I kind of had some like, you know, weird like Celtics players. And I actually ended up getting like a bunch of Celtics that played like throughout the last 15 years, but not all at the same time. But I kind of put them all this team. Plus I had Scottie Pippen and Tony Kukoc. So it was, it was really rad. And it's still, I mean, it's not, it doesn't play as well as 2K16 or whatever at, at this point, but it is still a lot of fun to go back and play that game where I was able to play through a couple games over the last couple of nights while listening to like E3 podcast to catch up on that news mm-hmm. or like watching videos, you know, on my monitor while playing on my CRT. And it is, uh, it's still, they're both still great games and there are very important reasons why NBA, of course, like I talked about, that's why I bought a Dreamcast and it's why I held on to a Dreamcast for so long. And it's why I continued to buy those games as long as I could uh, through the the PlayStation to the Xbox or the Xbox 360 uh, and all the way to the PS4. And I mean, I, I I called this out before, but sports games, especially the Sega sports games on the Dreamcast, I think they're important for a lot of reasons. I mean, one thing is that I think was NFL was one of the first sports games to have online play, um, which was a game changer. But the other thing is, too, is that that was sort of the first real 
solid competition um, for EA after it kind of established itself. Because if you remember back on the... By, like when, by far, man, because yeah. 989 was terrible. Well, that's just the thing. And if you remember like back on the 16-bit consoles when EA was kind of established, was really sort of getting going with the with the team sports, with Madden and um, NBA Live and FIFA uh, and NHL, there were a lot of other companies that did sports games back then like uh sony um image soft had a whole series of espn games and even into like the the playstation and saturn era you had a lot of, like you had, almost every major publisher had a sports label at one point mm-hmm. throughout the mid 90s but by the time the late 90s came and, and the 2000s and the dreamcast came out they'd all petered out because they, nobody was competing properly. They just they couldn't keep up with EA. Yeah, even and then, Hudson Sauce. Uh, yeah, me, Hudson Soft made Bill Lambert's Combat Basketball. There was um, Acclaim. Midway was, was, was doing, doing it. Acclaim was doing it. Virgin Accolade Interactive was doing it. Charles, Charles Barkley. I mean, there was a jam. Um, LJN. Mm-hmm. But then Sega comes along and it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do like serious sports games and we're gonna show you how it's done. And it, it was, they were amazing. And they. And I still will say to this day, they made EA games better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's too bad they're not around anymore. That I mean, it's well, I mean, their Visual Concepts is still doing NBA Two K. Yeah, so yeah. that that's still around. Uh, of course, the baseball did not. And I mean, the, the the governing bodies sort of shot that in the foot too, because you know the NBA and the NHL and the NFL, and mm-hmm. they all decided they wanted to to you know, price their licenses. In, in the stratosphere and go for exclusive or exclusive um, vendors, yeah. which sucks. It really sucks. Um, yeah. Except for the NBA. I shouldn't say that because the NBA hasn't done that, but, but you know, MLB, everybody else did. So. I, I forgot on those 16 bit consoles, uh, Tecmo made a bunch of sports games as well. Not just like Tecmo bowl, but they made uh, mm-hmm. like super NBA basketball, like licensed stuff. Yeah. I mean, Konami was doing yep. uh, sports games. They still do, or they think they still oh do. Oh my with, god! Uh, yeah, that you're Revolution right. Soccer, but yeah, I mean, everybody was doing it. Nintendo was doing sports games back then. Well, wow, everybody this is, a hell, was doing it. this is a hell of a long segment. What do you got for your last game? Sorry. Um, so my last game. This is tough. It's a racing game. Um, Test Drive Le Mans came close because I really love that game, but I love it more for the game than than for the fact that it's on Dreamcast plus the. Um, Excuse me. The the remake came out on the PlayStation Two, and I think it was a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Metropolis Street Racer. All right. And so yeah, I mean, sort of going back to what we we're talking about with um, with Shenmue and with the textures and everything. The the big thing with Metropolis Street Racer, and it was hyped to holy hell <laughs> during the whole entire run of the Dreamcast was that, you know, these crazy developers actually went to all these different locations in the world and they took tons and tons and tons of reference uh, photographs and they built tracks in these various cities all over the world. I think we outlined it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in the U.S. and Europe and, and Japan. Um, so not only were you sort of, you know, not only did you get sort of the familiar skylines, but you were actually getting like, those buildings and those streets and and of course because of the dreamcast being able to do the amazing textures it could do everything looked super crazy nice Mm -hmm. uh and then we were discussing before this before this segment before we started recording this segment kevin about um like the soundtrack itself too like they even they went all out where it's like okay you're in japan so 
you're listening to a radio station and it's actually a radio station. I don't know if it's actually when you hear in Japan, but it's playing music that you would hear. And it's and the the the, the uh, DJ is actually speaking Japanese, I think. Like they just went crazy. And plus, it was a good game. It was Bizarre Creations and they make great racing games. They'd been making them for for years at that point. So, you know, and I mean, it 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 evolved into Project Gotham Racing for the Xbox. Amazing yeah. game. Yeah, not bad, not bad, not bad series. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing some some more of that. But we have to we have to run because we're going to get back to the the rest of the show. Thank you so much to everyone for continuing to listen to the Summer of Dreamcast. Uh, those are our favorite games, and like Greg said, they're always going to change based on you know the day and the mood and stuff like that. <laughs> yep. But that's just the great thing about the library. There's so many great games to choose from. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, again, well, let's uh, get back to the rest of the show. Um, or if not, you know, go pick up a copy of Jet Force Gemini now on the Nintendo 64 at a brand new price of $99.99. Wow. Uh, just dropped the price. So, um, I mean, or you can pick up Pokemon Pinball, Pokemon Snap, and Pokemon Yellow all coming out right now along with the launch of the Sega Dreamcast at Electronics Boutique. Where else? But EB, can you... Oh, I can't read the rest of it. Never. What are you even talking about? I'm reading ads from EGM, which means we're going to wrap up oh. this episode. So... That's a hell of a buyer's guide for the U.S. releases of the the Sega Dreamcast. It's a great place to start. What I would recommend, though, is like this: it's the internet. Jump on SegaNet and go and check out some reviews of other games and see what else is out there. Because you might be a really big RPG fan, or you might be, you know, a big racing fan, and there might have been some games we didn't hit on because you know they're not at the front of our minds, or maybe they were like more in that like seven to eight. Uh, score range and not in the there are so many like nine plus games on this console that we we did our best to hit on all this stuff and it's just it, it's it is why it's i think you know pound for pound it's the best console that sega ever made it's when you the when ratio you consider how long it was band. out there how long it was out there like i said it was about 27 months there were games being released in the u.s for something like 27 months total mm-hmm. there's way more than 27 triple a games on this thing <laughs> yes like when you consider the rate that they were released and and i gotta i just gotta return to it i mean i know that this this bled over a little bit into the playstation and gamecube and xbox but this was sega the console game manufacturer right at its zenith like this was this was as high as it got yep. right when they went third party there were some great games released on those other consoles but mm. this is where the creativity really started to bloom it's the tail end of the tail end of the saturn with with sonic team doing stuff like burning rangers but then this is where they were all firing and they were all making great games and they were all being super creative and they had the freedom to do it and when you play them you'll see it and sadly a lot of that creativity died with the dreamcast it did once they went third party, it just it it kind of you it was know sequels and ports. Yeah, and then and then people started to leave, like Naka left and Mizuguchi left and Suzuki left and eh. But don't worry because it's 2016 and all you got to do is grease those gears on the drive and you can play your Sega Dreamcast and it will sound just like it did in 1999. And there's plenty of great ways to play it. You can play it with S Video. You can play it with Composite. Or you can get that VGA box and get a beautiful 480p signal from a majority of the games. Play some arcade classics. Have a couple friends over. Play some fighting games. And then when they leave, you know, just pop in Shenmue and then take a trip to Japan and see what it's like to live (laughs) as a high school boy in 1985 
in a in a small Japanese town with a Saturn. With it, with I know with the Saturn, he just like is. I made that comment when I was streaming the other night. It's like, yeah, you like time traveled and has a Saturn in his house in 1985. His, his dad must have worked for Sega. Oh no, I bet his uncle did though. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's probably why they killed him. They're looking for where, where's the Sega Saturn prototype. And that, that I think that's what he said. Um, I like it. Landy, man, I think he worked for Nintendo. <laughs> like, I think that's oh. what, if you look at the, I mean, anyways, um, but the point is, is that there are so many great games on this console. It should not be overlooked. And it's something that should be in your house. And, you know, just go look for good copies of the games so you don't have any of the disc rot issues and make sure you keep them out of the sun. Keep them in a nice, cool place. Don't put them in the fridge, but don't put them in the sun and everything will be good. Next couple episodes we're going to be talking about the sega dreamcast in japan also japanese exclusive accessories and games then we're also going to be talking about how to uh again maybe best prepare your sega dreamcast for 2016 in terms of modifications and uh just hookups and things like that also the incredible like Greg, incredible homebrew scene for the Sega Dreamcast. Like the yeah. there's a huge lineup of hundreds of games for the Dreamcast and tons of ports like Quake One and Doom that run great on it, uh, emulators, things like that. So things that you can use your Sega Dreamcast for, and you can even play. Hey Greg, you want to play some VCDs? When I when don't I want to play VCDs? You want you want to watch that that new Matrix on VCD on your Dreamcast Gosh. and but whatever the terrible resolution and bitrate that was, um, yeah, you can do all that on the Sega Dreamcast, and we're going to tell you how to do it in the next couple episodes. And throughout, hopefully you've been hearing it in the first two episodes, but just some great anecdotes from people in the industry that experienced it, whether in the time in the business of, uh, you know, at Sega or just in journalism or whatever. Uh, I want to get as many people on here to talk about this fantastic hardware in the meantime you can do a couple things you can go check out generation-16.com for greg's incredible sega genesis video series where you can also um donate and become a patreon at patreon.com slash generation 16 i'm gonna not forget it this time you can check out greg every single week on the player one podcast at player one podcast.com with not only himself but We've mentioned him a bunch of times. CJ, uh, Chris Johnson, is over there. You guys are going to be probably on your 503rd episode by the time that we talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, people hear this, I should say. And um, they're they're going to get uh, regulars Phil Theobald and Ethan Einhorn on there. So just a, a great lineup of, of people talking about games and toys, I guess. That's about it. Games, toys, and... Uh, Digital rights. God. <laughs> Free to play. You know what, CJ? I can still play my copy of NFL Blitz 2000. Are you going to be able to play your copy of PT in five years? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I if I miss anything anything else, Greg. You're at S-E-W-A-R-T on Twitter. Anything else that you want to mention? No, that's it. We are going to be doing a 18-hour live stream for charity uh, in a couple months. More details on that coming soon. We're going to do that in September uh, 3rd, and that is going to be 18 hours straight of Sega Dreamcast to raise money for sick kids, which is a great cause. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can go to Network. You can check out this show, a great lineup of other shows, and it means a lot if you become a patron of this show at patreon.com slash backinmyplay. The support from those patrons 
really make it possible for me to continue to do this show. And I hope that if you do think that this content is great, if this is something that you like to tune into every week, seriously, like a dollar per episode is huge. Like if we have people that are doing a dollar per episode, that means so much. And I get those emails and it, it just is, it really lights my day. If I'm having a bad day and I see someone that jumps in as a Patreon and be like, oh man, you know what? People do love this stuff and they do love this content. So thank you so much for doing all that. And I apologize for being sleepy and for <laughs> rambling. And Greg, thank you so much for for talking about the Sega Dreamcast for three and a half hours tonight. <laughs> My pleasure. I love any chance to talk about Sega. And we haven't done Dreamcast before, so it's cool. It's cool to be able to go down memory lane and to uh, tackle Shenmu 2 with you. And let's just I'm gonna just make sure right now. Oh no. Yes, the VMU still turns on. So we're good to go. I'm ready for wow. my, my run of Shinmu 2 that will be starting tomorrow. I'll be streaming that online, but at this point it's already been a couple weeks. So thank you so much to everyone listening. Thank you, Greg, and we will see you next week with the continuation of the Summer of Dreamcast. Take care. <laughs>